another episode of stuff ben and mike like the best episode yet i've decided that's probably not <laughs> going to be the case but we'll see what we can do we'll um we'll work on that we'll uh, over the course of the next amount of time we will definitely let you know and you can make up your own judgment but you'll probably be like wow this is bad because we haven't done one of these in quite a while yeah that was probably a bit too strong out the gate wasn't it mm. <laughs> Well, um, so what have we got for our, our listeners today? We uh, have our traditionally incredibly late podcast to sum up 2020, and thus we're going to talk about some things that aren't from 2020 as well. Yeah, and um, we've got some video games, we've got some anime. I think we're going to be going through anime first, and then going through video games. There'll be timestamps for that if you just want to listen to the video games bit. If you want to listen to the anime, then, well, I guess just listen until we get to video games and then stop, but... I don't know. Are there that many people who like who like anime but don't like video games? I feel like it's quite a lot of crossover. That's a very good question. I mean, I, I feel I, like I, there are far fewer people who like anime but don't like video games than there are people who like video games but don't like anime. Yes, I would agree with that. But that's probably not a topic to get into, plus I think we've already said everything that we actually could think of to say on that. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other episode right there. Um, we'll see. Watch out, episode eight, nine, something. Um, anyway. Anyway. So, um, yeah, so as we said, we're, we're going to be talking about some things that aren't from this year, because 2020, I mean, there's lots of things that you can say about 2020, many of which have just already been said, but it wasn't a particularly strong year for anime. There was quite a lull in things coming out, understandably. Mm. Um so, you know, our, our lists are a bit short. Some of us delved back into the into the backlog to watch some things. There are some things which are really only like tangentially in 2020 here. It was just like the tail end of them, but we get to talk about them anyway, because we do. It's more things that, format. yeah, we just we, we enjoyed in 2020 rather than necessarily came out in 2020. Yeah. So shall we um, kick it off? We've got a whole list of, of anime here to go through. So uh, do you want to start us off, Mike, with Apare Ranman? I can indeed. Um, so Apare Ranman uh, is a, the latest show from PA Works, uh, who you may know from such shows as uh, Angel Beats and uh, Sakura Quest, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Some um, interesting choices there. They also did, you know, yeah, Shirobako, which is one of my favorite things. shows ever. They've done um, a lot of things. Roha. Um What was that other one that I'm trying to think of? There was, that, great there was that kind of like samurai mecha one that I can't remember the name of. There's a few. Oh, Nagi Asu, a lull in the sea. That or too. Nagi no Asakara, <laughs> if you're not just a terrible person. Um, enough about PA works, though. Uh, <laughs> this is we, a show... we, we do both love PA works. Yeah, that's I think true. that's probably that... been made clear. I mean... We, we we love some of the things PA Works have done. They tend to like alternate between like a good show and like a really waste show. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely true. Which one does this fall into, Mike? Uh, this falls into the actually. I, I mean, like, I wouldn't say it was 
like a top tier show, but it is it's definitely very good. It's very enjoyable. Um, so it's the the premise is it's basically a kind of like wacky races style anime. So it's it's about like a road race basically. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot more backstory to it in that you our main characters are kind of from Japan, including this wacky uh, inventor character Apare. Um, and they somehow find themselves in America through a series of circumstances uh, and entering this race uh, where people have to drive across like the whole country, basically, to win like loads of money, etc. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically all just a, a big excuse for a giant road race with some drama and some shenanigans along the way. Uh, when you say drama, is it like sort of, you know, character drama or just sort of race drama? Uh, character drama as well as race okay. drama, yeah. Um so there are some incredibly like colourful and likable characters in this, which is partly why it's so fun. Um, and I mean, as per the kind of wacky races genre, if that's a thing, or it should be. Um, yeah, like you know, you've got all sorts of uh, interesting eccentric characters with their automobiles, um, and like all kind of playing off each other. Um, and yeah, this this was one of the shows that was kind of hit by like the. Sort of yeah. early wave of COVID. Um, it was the some episodes were delayed. I think yeah, was, exactly. Like, the first couple of episodes, and then it stopped, and it was delayed until the next season. Precisely, yeah. Which, which made me very sad because, like, I watched the first two episodes when they came out. It's like, wow, this is great. Let's have some more of this. And it's like, actually, you got to wait another like four months or whatever, which is a bit yeah. sad. Um, it, it, it's a show that's definitely on my list to watch, but it's again one of those things to which I have the pathetic excuse with it's not on Crunchyroll, and therefore it takes slightly more effort to actually <laughs> watch it somewhere. If you're in the is... UK, it's on Funimation UK uh, for those who want to want to track it down. Um, it may end up on Crunchyroll at some point. It may even end up on Netflix. Who knows? Uh, it's definitely one of those shows that you can see having quite a broad Western appeal because of the genre uh, and mm. the setting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a super amount to talk about here. It's just it's just a really fun romp across the desert, primarily, with some cool cars and some fun folks. Does it have good music? It does have some good music. Um, it... I feel like a show like that, you know, Wacky Racing Across the Desert, has mm. got to have good music. I'm trying to think of a good, like, sort of uh, reference point for what the soundtrack is like. I guess it's that kind of... sort of almost back and style, like... Uh, when anime does America and it's all kind of like hornsy, jazzy, upbeat yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that, um, that, that, that's what I had in mind. Yeah, that, exactly. Um, and so it works quite well. Uh, yeah, quite happy with that. Excellent. Should we move on to the next show? We can move on to the next show. And because we put this in alphabetical order, because it's fair? Question mark. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> that means I... I I'm speaking again because we're talking about Bartender, and this is a show that is far removed from 2020. This came out a very long time ago. Um, okay, that explains why I haven't heard of it. Yeah, I don't know when it came out, actually. Maybe let's do a quick Google. Um, you, 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 you talk about I'll talk it, and about I'll look it, it up. Um, but I did watch it in 2020 because it came on to uh, the Screen Anime service in 2020, and if that's something you've not heard of, um, it's basically a new sort of subscription service from Anime Limited, who are an anime distributor in the UK, uh, where you basically get a set of films mostly, but also one series uh, to watch each month. So it's kind of like a curated like anime selection, uh, which I've okay. been finding quite quite cool, actually, to like dip into. I, I've seen quite a lot of films already, but sometimes it's good to kind of just 
have another viewing. Some of the things are like completely new to me and have turned out to be sort of hidden gems, and Bartender is definitely one of those. Uh, so this is a series um, that came out in 2006, Google's yes, telling me. Yes, I found that. Um, so yeah, not quite 2020. Um, and like the premise doesn't sound interesting at all, uh, but it does sound sort of very Japanese in a lot of ways, because uh, it's basically a show about this bar uh, in Ginza um, and this bartender who's very good at being a bartender uh, but the, the show is basically just structured around individual episodes primarily of like just different patrons coming in and discovering this bar um, and some of some of whom have heard of its reputation uh, and the bartender who's called like the glass of the gods or something absolutely <laughs> stupid <laughs> um, but apart from that like, it's a pretty down to earth show but basically he's supposed to be able to just like make the perfect drink for like everyone's situation like just by looking at them or whatever without them having to order um uh. but it's 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 just like a series of vignettes basically where you get like windows into the lives of all these very different people from like politicians to like uh homeless people to like yeah to c- completely different folks um and basically yeah he just makes them a drink and that makes everything better <laughs> regardless of the situation uh which is a bit uh bit of it, a stretch does it kind of sort of focus on the on the cocktails or does it kind of talk about the it, it does like it's, so, is it more about the characters so it focuses on both um so yeah it's 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 kind of weird so like it is kind of a show about the characters and like the drama of their lives and yeah, as I say, these like little vignettes, which are super interesting. But then I, I also don't know whether it was like sponsored by like some kind of liquor industry body or something at the time. But like, yeah, it does go into like very detail about like how each cocktail is made. Um, and at the end of every episode, uh, there's like a live action demonstration of like the making of one of the key drinks from the episode, uh, <laughs> which is uh, quite fun. Um, we, my partner and I watched a little bit of. Um... Not restaurant to another world was Isekai Isekaya, mm. um, which also has a weird live action demonstration <laughs> of just what seemed like a completely unrelated dish at the end. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, that that definitely seems to be a thing that happens with some of these shows. Is it a short form thing or is it full length? It's a full length episode, um, and yeah, like after watching a couple of episodes, I was like, I'm not sure this is going to hold up for like. 13 episodes or possibly 24 i can't even remember how much it was it's probably one core um but it really did it, it was it was like bizarrely captivating i'll say okay. um i i really enjoyed it... like just yeah soaking up both these little personal stories and also far more about liquors and cocktails than i knew before it, it sort of it's making me think of um i can't remember the japanese name but love is like a cocktail which is probably mm a very inferior show which basically just there was a wife who would come home and be like oh i'm tired and then husband would make a cocktail which always doesn't have too much alcohol in because you know children might be watching and then she would have some kind of vaguely erotic reaction to drinking it and um that was it really yeah i i also watched that show um i'd say i enjoyed bartender far more though that one was also yeah it sounds like a, a better quality show but um yeah, I'll, uh, and it's a good tip on the, um, what, what was the anime screen thing Screen anime, yeah, screen it's definitely anime. worth a look. Like, it's it's a pretty cheap subscription as well, from memory. Um, I think if you do it monthly, it's probably like 
six pounds a month or something. My problem generally is that I don't watch a lot of anime movies. Mm. Well, maybe this because... could help with that, Ben. Yeah, well, it's more like I tend to find... I think I'm sure I've said this in the past. I tend to find that anime movies tend to be... I don't mind sort of high concept stuff, but there's just like... I feel like there's a big divide between anime movies and anime series where anime series you'll get lots of weird fan service and then anime movies you'll get things taking themselves far too seriously with drama and stuff and i kind of always want something in between don't want that drama and stuff what a waste of my time i know can't have these you know angsty teenagers being too angsty i mean that's that's just anime isn't it Talking of angsty teenagers, <laughs> should we go on to our next show? What a segue. Take it away, Ben. So, Chihaya Furu, which actually has been... It, it just... I think that the third season finished off at the beginning of uh, 2020. So it's just barely eligible. It's just about um, relevant, yeah. Both of us obviously watched this quite a long time ago. Um, That's not actually true, I'm, Ben. Is it not? I Did watched you just it really all three recently? series last year. Yeah, I hadn't started... Uh... No, well... the. But it was still last year, is what I'm trying to say mm. here. And it was probably still some time ago. But yeah, I think we both... Um, you were watching it, and you said it's really good. And I was like, I should watch that show, because I've been meaning to. I think it first aired in, like, 2012 or something It was like quite that. a long time ago, yeah. There was a big gap. Yeah, which does make me... Cause... Okay, so so it's a, um, it's a show about Karata, which is a... Japanese card game in which that so there's a hundred poems called the Ogura hundred poets or something like that uh, there are a hundred poems a <laughs> hundred poems that were written to um, commemorate something or other and basically they're written on cards and it's one of those things that's supposed to be like a children's game that you play where you lay out these cards and someone reads out the poems and you have to like find the card with that poem on and grab it before the other person can and um there's lots of various complicated rules involved in it and these are people who pretty much play this children's card game at a ridiculously high level and can move with like millimeter precision with the fastest reaction times ever and it's weird it sounds like it would be really boring but it's actually incredibly captivating and I was really surprised by how interesting it was. Um, the story follows um, Chihaya, who is in obviously in high school and wants to start up a um, a character team, and is uh, struggling to find some people to join her team so that she can have her club, which has never been a plot in any anime before <laughs> ever. Very original. Um, but you yeah, know, I mean, it's uh, is it. I want to say it's Madhouse, but that's... I'm not sure anymore. Uh, it is Madhouse, it is Madhouse, yeah. It's well animated, the characters are great. Um, And it's it's one of those things that I like because it showcases some elements of Japanese culture that you don't really see much of otherwise. Yeah, very much so. Like, I didn't know this game or these cards or whatever existed before uh, the show. And I mean, maybe that's to be expected, but... Well, the, the, the impression I got was that it's actually quite... And it, it's not a particularly common sport, even in Japan. Mm. Like They, they do um, definitely say that... I mean, I, I think where, where the, um, the main characters are playing is mostly in Tokyo. And then there's only a few other regions in Japan where it's popular. 
and there's one region where another one of the main characters is from where they all have slightly funny accents. So there's lots of people from there. And um, yeah, I mean, it just, this really sort of hammered home to me that you can take any kind of sport and make it exciting. And it doesn't kind of delve into people so much having, I mean, it, it, it's relatively realistic, I would say. People don't have so much kind of mystical powers. I mean, some people have like reaction times that verge on the magical and mystical, but it's always kind of quite firmly rooted in reality. And actually a lot of it ends up being more about the character drama that goes on around the uh, the card games and the card games themselves. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I think it's probably worth pointing out that it's also kind of like a shoujo show as well oh, as yeah. a sports show. Because, um, yeah, the point of view character at least for the most part, is Chihaya, who's, yeah, this high school girl who has multiple admirers, I think it's fair to say, and also oh, yeah, is there's... just, like, confused about her own feelings and, you know, very shoujo-y things, but... There's, um, there's, there's love, love triangles abound. I don't think that's a spoiler. I think that comes up pretty quickly. Yeah, but it's also um, not really the focus of the show. Like, I was expecting yeah. it to be far more in the foreground than it actually ended up being. Like, the focus is far more on the competitions and the things that happen. And, and then kind of every I, now I, and then it'll be like, oh, no, we have feelings. I do want to shout out to the side characters who kind of start out... Like, the character designs are quite simple, mm. and they introduce these side characters, and you think, these aren't going to be very interesting characters. But they're actually, like, I was rooting for every single one of them. The side characters are, like, amazing. And they've all got their own kind of special thing that they can do. And I was just, I was really kind of hyped for some of those matches. And, um, yeah, the, the the most annoying thing I can say about Jahaifuru is that, as we said, there has been, like, four or five years between each of the seasons yeah so, so season one was uh 2011 <clears throat> season two was 2013 which is you know fair enough and then season three was 2019 <laughs> so it's a bit of a yeah bit of a gap and then season three ended on a pretty huge cliffhanger i think it's fair to say mm. well not not so much a cliffhanger as just like a, a dangling plot thing so I, it's just like i, I just want i want more of it yeah, I, I mean, particularly when, obviously, like, yeah, we've basically binged all three seasons in uh, in one go, effectively. Like, mm. then having to wait X number of years for the next one is uh, is tricky. And if you do want to binge all three seasons, I can thoroughly recommend it, because it's, it's pretty bingeable, I'd say. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's just like you're watching it, it's like, I want more, I can't stop. <laughs> and it's on Crunchyroll. Yes. It is on Crunchyroll. It's on Crunchyroll. So um, if you have a Crunchyroll subscription, go for it. Nice. So, um, the day I became a god, Mike. Yes, the day I became god, I believe, is the is the English title, um, and is is a pretty much direct translation from the uh, Japanese Kamisama ni Natahi or whatever. Um, so this is also, is it PA Works? I think it's PA Works. Um, let me check that quickly. I, I'll, I'll check it for you. Um, just because it's uh, it's basically like the Angel Beats team. Um, it's, yeah, Jun Maeda and Naga character designs and, like, yeah, just that old squad that's come together for a bunch of different um, visual novels and anime projects that are widely beloved, I think it's fair to say. 
Um, yes. Well, was Charlotte or at least, beloved? At least, with the, at least with the cult following <laughs> for most of them. Um, Angel Beats was widely beloved. I'm Angel sure Beats was widely that. beloved, and like Clannad and Canon and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Charlotte has mixed reviews with, with good reason, um, but let's not talk about that. Uh, so, The Day I Became God um, is a show about uh, this girl who randomly appears before, like, generic high school chap at one point, and she's, like, dressed in this sort of weird nun outfit, and she, like, proclaims herself to be a god called Odin. Um, And, like, it turns out she's, like, actually got real-life powers of sort of uh, precognition, like, being able to see the future and predict stuff. Um, And despite that kind of pretty grand premise <laughs> that, that most of the show is like very sort of slice of lifey uh where she basically uses her powers to like help him uh you know try and get closer to his crush or like play in random mahjong tournaments or just like these really sort of benign scenarios given the like this person apparently has superpowers <laughs> set up um and it is very much in the vein of those shows and visual novels that I mentioned. Like, it's a similar kind of vibes. It's that kind of, you know, set-up, retort, conversational comedy style that, like, these guys are famous for. Um, And, you know, in similar fashion, like, some of it hits, some of it's a bit of a miss. Um, Though I can't say that I enjoyed this one as much as, like, some of those previous outings. Like... A lot of the characters are pretty bland, um, and most of the scenarios weren't super interesting. Um, they were like very sort of rote, tropey anime things, you know, like... What, was there a point where anyone had a relative who was dying of an undisclosed disease, and then they <laughs> went out into the snow, and then they died? Uh, it's it's funny you should ask. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in typical Junmaida fashion, you know, like, it does try and hit you in the feels at a number of points along the way. Um, but because I didn't really care about a lot of the characters, like, that didn't work for a lot of it, especially, like, this kind of grand finale last few episodes, which are sort of centred around this main girl god lady. Mm. Um didn't really work for me like yes there's a kind of you know high stakes medical stuff don't want to spoil things for people who want to watch it um there were a couple of things along the way uh mostly centered around main guy's love interest who's kind of a side character in some ways um but like there were a couple of episodes that are focused around kind of her and her family and those are very well constructed at hitting you in the fields, as it were, in uh, good old Junmaida fashion. And those work very well, and there's like good music and stuff to accompany it, as you'd hope. Um, but aside from those, like the show really didn't stand out for me. It was, it's quite a generic sort of high school romp. Mm, I, so my partner and I watched Angel Beats not that long ago. Mm. And I do... I mean, I, have to, I, I think I've talked some about this in the past. I really enjoyed Angel Beats the first time I watched it. And then it's kind of... I, I have this kind of feeling where at the time that it came out, it was kind of a... It wasn't 
unusual, but it was kind of sort of that there weren't a lot of shows in that style. Mm. And I think especially some of the sort of character designs, that's one of the things I sort of re- really remember. Again, sort of that, that Naga art style, mm. um, who's the character designer, was quite... And, and now I think a lot of shows have that kind of art style. And a lot of shows use the same kind of combination of humour. And I feel like it's just become less... It, 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 it's not unique anymore. Yeah. It's, um, it, and it's not necessarily... It, it's one of those things where it's still exactly the same as good as it was before. It's just there's so much other stuff that kind of covers the same ground that you see all the time. Yeah, I think that's a so. good good summary, definitely. Uh, and similarly, like, as you said, when Angel Beats first came out and I watched it, and it was when I was kind of first getting into anime, to be honest, like, it was one of my favourite things ever. And it has been, like, one of my favourite shows. But, yeah, the more I watch it and, like, watching it, you know in recent times as well as you say like it has less of a unique appeal that's for sure mm. but again i don't think it's necessarily the fault of angel beats it's more just the fault of everyone else really mm. screw those other shows that's what i say what's with all this plethora of anime to watch eh i don't know talking of plethora of anime um should we want to Decker An- dance <laughs> another another anime yeah um I don't have a huge amount to say about this. It's just like, it's, it's an interesting Give, give us a quick rundown. A quick rundown. Um, so, Decadence. Man, where do I even begin? Uh, it's a quick rundown. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. So, um, basically, there's like a kind of big reveal at the end of the first or the second episode or something. So I, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to really talk about it because it's kind of the foundation... <laughs> Pardon me, of the show. Sorry, I'm like two pints of cider in at half eleven. So, basically, like, your point of view character is this uh, girl who's kind of like working away, and there's this kind of like big, like moving city that's kind of like traveling through the desert, and it seems like there's kind of big community that kind of is focused on like maintaining it and like you know, hunter gathering and like that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's like a few kind of almost celebrity level folks who like kind of go out and hunt these like big sort of weird insect monstery things. Um, it's not like a super unique from that perspective uh, in terms of that setting. But then what is... I, I am getting vibes of um, Darling in the Franks somehow. Mm, yeah, yeah, there, there, there is a similar similar vibe to Darling in the Franks um, for this part of the show, definitely. Um, but then kind of like the interesting thing about it is that, yeah, it's revealed after like an episode or so, as I say, um, that a lot of the people who, you know, you've been interacting with and you've been seeing as like part of this community, uh, are actually, um, like MMO characters that are being inhabited by robots, (laughs) on like what? in like a different world um so basically so you're saying it, it's actually an isekai but it was like a sneaky isekai it was it's kind of like a sneaky isekai but it's actually the same world it's not like a different dimension basically the, there's this like there's this giant city and a lot and it's basically split into different levels and it's kind of run by this giant super uh ai 
like robot intelligence that kind of manages everything and the kind of like top tier of citizens are robots effectively um and they're in this like really weird quirky art style which really put me off to begin with and like kind of made me want to throw up but you kind of get used to it eventually um but then like human beings are also real and it's almost like they've been kind of enslaved to an extent by these robots but they don't really know about it like they don't know that robots exist <laughs> um as i say it's quite hard to explain uh but it is quite a cool premise and i'm not sure i've seen anything quite like it um and aside from that which is like a, an interesting setup um it has some quite cool like bug stomping action um, some nice. quite interesting like character drama and like the the kind of main relationship is between um, a kind of human girl who finds herself in this world and the kind of, has kind of always wanted to be one of these like hunters to go out and kill the kill the bugs and like protect the colony um, and a robot guy who like inhabits one of these hunters and like sort of forms this relationship with her and is kind of intrigued by her and wants to like sort of train her up to be you know a hunter like him but also not like him because he's actually in reality a kind of tiny box man <laughs> um <laughs> it, it's yeah it's a very hard one to describe and particularly in like just an audio format but um if you if you like kind of quirky action and interesting sort of visual style i definitely recommend you check it out okay nice yeah let's go on to diamond no ace uh second no act Act two two is how they've denoted this one yeah so there was diamond no ace and there's diamond no ace second season and then there's diamond no ace act two yeah which is um the baseball anime that everybody knows and loves or at least that we know and love because we i believe love we've spoken about it at length previously we have but you know here's another chance to talk about it Hooray. um should we check out a spoiler warning here sure or do you want to do that i mean we, I, th- I think it's just fair to say that we both just thought the show was great and um we recommend you watch it and it's probably one of the best sports animes there is possibly the is best fair? possibly the best um so anyway that you should watch it um and i mean even if just just to say if you're watching it from the beginning if it's a bit slow give it some time it'll pick up get used to the characters and you'll you'll like it anyway throwing out a spoiler warning there for for spoilers in the uh in the act two so the show is called ace of diamond or diamond no ace and and what happens mike Thanks, Ben. Um, so it's a baseball anime, in case that wasn't obvious. Um, and the reason this is Act 2 is because Act 1, slash the first and second season, was focused on like one year, academic year's worth of baseball, effectively, um, following the team at, say... Oh, no, all my sports teams are blurring together I was going to say Sado but I was like is that one of the volleyball teams that I'm following I don't know Um, I'm thinking of Seho (laughs) and there's also Sein in a new volleyball show Um, but anyway uh, Sado high school uh, baseball team Um, and like yeah the previous 
series were following uh, like one academic year's worth. So like basically there's a sort of break and now in Act 2 sort of the third years are all gone and like they're kind of building a new team with some new first years as well as the characters that we're all familiar with. Um, and you know like basically the story continues uh, with our main character of Sawamura who wants to be the ace of the diamond. Uh, who basically wants to become the ace pitcher of this team who are like kind of you know strong on a national level and he wants to be wants to be this big guy um and yeah there's basically just like more and quite significant progression along that arc yeah uh as well as introducing some new faces and like lots of baseball games yeah i don't don't really know what else to say about it really well, basically, well, the reason I was throwing out the spoiler warning is so we could talk about what happens with, you know, the Ace of the Diamond. Oh, okay. So, basically, um, so Saramura has, like, an interesting arc through the... I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to this bit, either you don't care or you've uh, watched the other seasons. Basically, Saramura has quite an interesting arc. He starts out pretty much just screwing up and making a fool of himself on, like, a national stage. Mm. He like goes out for his first time to pitch at a national level, and just falls over flat in his face, literally, um, and everything has to be like picked up by his um, his his rival pitcher. But then over the rest of the course of the show, Sawamura kind of it's just like he's he's just such a good character. I mean, we've talked about him like potentially being best guy before, but he really just like throws himself at it, and you can just see him just like kind of all the team has to come around to realizing that he's like this reliable pitcher and then the coach is like we're throwing away the jersey numbers nothing will matter anymore and then when they actually do pick out the jersey numbers um Saramura gets picked as the ace and it's this just like crazy moment and like the crowd goes well there isn't the crowd goes well but we were watching it and we went we went wild yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I'm, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that there are very few pieces of media in the world that have ever made me cry, but Diamond No Ace is one of them. Um, uh, and, like, that moment where he drew the ace number and, like, yeah, was kind of going out for the first time as number one. Like, there, there mm. were tears in my eyes, let's say that. Yeah. I mean, it it was like it it, and it's like it's just one of those things where it's been building for so long. You know, it would be like this is like you know, Luffy finding the One Piece in One Piece, which I don't even think has happened yet. What does that even mean? I don't know. <sighs> or like you know, Naruto finding the Naruto. <laughs> sure. Um, or Bleach having anything to do with Bleach, which I don't think it ever does. Why is it called Bleach? What a waste. Um, anyway but it's just like it the point is that it's just like we build towards this moment and there's just like that thing at the back of your head it's like will this happen is he going to be the ace is he not going to be the ace because it's sort of it just seems like having sort of watched the show all the way through it just kind of sort of almost seems impossible but they do they really do a great job of showing saramo's development and showing how he's because now he's a second year and he's got to have all his interactions with his sort of underclassmen and he sort of he kind of struggles with that at first, mm. and the he's definitely that there's one um, one of his underclassmen who really doesn't respect him at all, 
and um, eventually they kind of work through that and work as a really good team together. And it's just, yeah, it's just the the, the character development is just brilliant. I mean, the the baseball action is also great, mm. but um, yeah, it's it's heartwarming, it's exciting, it's it's everything you want really in a nice nice package. So yeah, thoroughly recommended again for like the fourth or fifth time we've talked about it. Yeah, it. I, I think it is worth pointing out as well that this time it's just Madhouse. Yes. And not Madhouse X Production IG, which it was before. And I th- I, yeah. I think it did the... affect the tone of the show slightly. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, so, some of the character designs changed a bit. I don't know if that was a, a thing that was present in the manga as well. Um, and some of the animation quality was maybe a little bit less polished. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And also, like, there was kind of a vibe where in in previous shows, and I mean, this might just be because they were trying to sort of, you know, progress through the story a bit more of a pace, but I found far more in this season that, like, either entire games or, like, bits of games would be, like, really skimmed over uh, far Mm. more than they were before. Like, the narrator had far more of a role to play because it'd kind of be like, oh, and then they won three games in a row that we're not going to show you or like oh and then these four innings like these two things happened but now we're going to pick up in the sixth inning or whatever which I I think was less of a part of the previous series I I can sort of appreciate that though because I think at this point it's just like we've seen a lot of Mm. baseball and it's sort of it's better to show the moments that have impact and meaning yeah I don't think it's necessarily a a negative it was just like it, it did feel like a bit of a shift like that was quite yeah. conscious there's a baseball speed run mm. but yeah i mean i think we both just it, it's it's a diamond i don't really know what else to say it's oh, just, so it's, good it's just, just great so and good. the um the music was good yeah i mean there was actually some like new music which <laughs> was surprising that I, I mean that they did just use a lot of the same tracks on repeat for the first uh two seasons <laughs> There, there were like variants on the theme, you know. You have a yeah. motif, and then you you play around with it. I'm perfectly happy with that, as I we'll probably the, see in a later show that we talk about. The openings and endings were solid. Mm. So, um, yeah. What a what a show, though. What a show. So, should we talk about Doctor Stone, the Stone Wars? Let's talk about Doctor Stone, the Stone Wars, uh, which, which is, is still still ongoing. ongoing. Yes. Yes. We need to stop talking over each other. <laughs> talking over each other in the we're using the exact same words, indeed. Um It's like we planned it. So this is a So is it produced by Crunchyroll? Is that the relationship that it, they have with it? It's a Crunchyroll it was a Crunchyroll original before a Crunchyroll original was a thing. Mm. So I think this was like the first show that they got their their grubby mitts on. And I think I assume it's basically, you know, they're just supplying a portion of the production costs I in think so. exchange for getting exclusive uh, rights to distribution. Yeah, and um, it's good. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about the first season. So the second season, um, it's just, it's, it's kind of more of the same. It's more like, basically, you know, they're in a, just to very quickly sum up, there's, that the world that there's some kind of event and everyone in the world gets turned to stone and then like three and a half thousand years later this guy wakes up and he's a science genius and he's using the power of science to try and restore 
society. And, th and this one is about him. It's basically his like faction, which is the kingdom of science clashing with this other guy who is the world's strongest primate high schooler. And there's just, there's just loads of ridiculous characters and just dumb stuff and just lines delivered with just, it's just amazing. It was like, talking about how can you have this in this stone world yeah they, they have to throw that line into every episode and it's perfect um, it is i mean it, it it feels like it's it's just so borderline kind of bad but then it's not it's it's really good like i i didn't realize until like this new season got started up like how much i missed the first season mm. like it's yeah it's surprisingly quality like it's a great combination of kind of, I mean, it is educational, but like, that's not what I watch it for. You know, I don't watch it to be like, oh, this is how I make nitric acid or whatever out of like these natural ingredients. Uh, but that element is quite fun to it. Um, mm. But then, yeah, like the characters are, are like really well designed and they interact in, in really interesting ways. Uh, there are some like really bizarre backstories and setups like you mentioned like the uh the submarine like radar specialist or whatever who's like yeah, in this so new the, world his super hearing comes into handies and archer the, or whatever the, the the bad guy is just like he he wants to get rid of adults because he thinks they're bad so he's just waking up young people and he's only like waking up strong young people so they can join his side so he's like you know what i should do is i should wake up i don't know he's got like there's People seem to have, like, ridiculous powers. Like, the, the, the main guy, like, punched a lion to death with, like, one punch. Um, and, you know, yeah, there's this guy with super hearing who used to be a, a sonar operator on a... And it's just like, how do you, how do you find these people? <laughs> it is very odd. I don't, I don't understand how they're all in, like, the same geographic area um, of, this, of this stone world. But also, yeah, as you say, they're supposed to be really young, but then it's like, this guy seems to be, like, a really senior policeman or like this this woman's working as a journalist it's like are you are you a young person <laughs> i don't really i guess it's like you know they're not they're not old they're, they're probably not like old. in their 20s or something basically it's like the millennials fighting back against like the boomers um in a stone world except all the boomers are still made of stone yeah so they're easily <laughs> crushable etc yes it, it's a really just wacky show. And I just, the, the opening song for the second season, I really like. It's kind of a banger. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not finished yet, so we can't give you our final thoughts on it. But um, yeah, it's really good. Watch it. it it's, just, it's just fun. It's just easy fun. Yeah, for sure. And it is, uh, I think, yeah possibly slightly more tailored to western sensibilities because of that Crunchyroll production mm. but yeah no definitely worth a watch speaking of very so, good what's our next show ben uh it's keep your hands off azokin or i can't remember the japanese title something something te hanashi something something azokin um azokin yep. meaning something like film film club, club? yeah so um, this is a show, just like, again, where to begin. Um, this is a show with like a quite unusual art style and a quite odd setting. 
And it basically follows these three characters who go to this school and they want to, one of them wants to start up a, um, a club making anime. And that there's kind of, so, so there's the three of them that there's, there's the, what the main character, what, one of the main characters, she's kind of like the visionary person. There's another character who's kind of good at art. And then there's the other who's kind of the business person. And they kind of work together in this team to make anime. But the school, their, their club is sort of slightly illegal. It sort of gives me, um, there's some like kill the kill vibes mm. in the art style and also in the kind of the way that the school is set up. Yeah, the setting's really like, very... it's, it's kind of fantastical, but not at the same time. It's yeah. like this really weird, like improbable geography and architecture of the school where they go to. And like lots of like sort of weird stuff <laughs> is going on I, it, it's a really hard show to describe and i mean the main thing i would say about it is don't get put off by the art style because it can be a little bit off-putting at first but if you get past it it's a really fun show to watch i mean the the, the core of it is these kind of these to me is these like imagination moments mm. where they're just saying oh well, what do we do here and then the um the sort of the character is talking about who's like the visionary one she just says what if like this happened and then it sort of goes into this thing where they're in this like imagined world and there's this big track that starts playing because it's the same track every time in the soundtrack <laughs> yeah. yeah um somehow now it gets old and then like just some crazy stuff starts happening they start like they create a flying machine and they're just flying through and having adventures and it's just it's just just, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of lost for words on how to describe it. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, yeah. Basically, the lines are a bit blurred between like reality and then them hopping into the world of their imagination, uh, coming mm. up with these scenarios that they want to create in anime format. Um, and yeah, like I I personally find it really interesting from just like an anime production perspective, like what goes into everything. I mean, you know, I had a basic understanding before. But it was like really good for an insight into how mm. everything kind of comes together, particularly, you know, if you're on a shoestring budget like this school club is. Yeah. Um, and the so considerations the, that you have to have. The, the, there's three of them and they start out with this kind of shed and then they kind of have to get more equipment, which they keep on somehow managing to salvage from places. And they end up having to kind of to, to pull in people from other clubs and bribe or, you know, otherwise encourage them to work with them. And they, they develop a couple of different animation projects. And I think after the first one they do, everyone's just like, holy shit, that's really good. And start wanting to work with them. Um, I really enjoyed the show all the way through. I would, apart from, I would say at the end, they kind of had this one big final project, which is this short film about the town that they live in. Mm. And they kind of keep changing their ideas about what they're going to do and going back and forth. And I'm not really sure what was supposed to be the message there, but I kind of felt like what they ended up with was just kind of muddled and not very good. Yeah, I I don't know whether something might have been lost in translation there or something. Um, but yeah, it was it was slightly trickier to pass than their previous like projects, definitely. And it it definitely made me feel you know like exactly like what would happen if you had a a visionary director who kept on changing their mind about everything and it ended up being a bit of a mess. And then it didn't, after that, it just kind of 
tapered off. I yeah. think it's it's based on a manga, so presumably is, there's yeah. more of it. But I don't know if we'll get more seasons or anything like that. Yeah, it, it seems like quite a well self-contained thing. But I'd be happy to get more for certain. Um, I do. I do wonder how much, what kind of legs it's got in terms of more content, because it was 12 episodes or 13. Possibly it, only it 11, a, I'm not sure. It, it was a one core thing, and um, I just, I'm not sure that I could see it. I, I, I don't know if I could, I could see it kind of holding up in terms of the concept for yeah, a huge amount of time. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. But, that's... you know, they, they could, I, I could also see that they could become creative in different ways, because it's a very creative show. Mm. So... Um, it's worth yeah, pointing no, really... out as well that it's directed by uh, Masaki Iwasa, who is a very famous uh, anime director and producer, um, and like is sort of famous for his quite wacky visual style and like just kind of completely off the wall um, like scenarios. Uh, he's done things from like Tatami Galaxy, Lou Over the Wall. Um, nice short walk on girl he did ping pong the animation um oh, yeah. yeah which was a bit different in a lot of ways uh but like yeah he's just he's kind of very eccentric i guess as a director which yeah that it comes through uh very strongly um and it's it's been a while since i've seen a series by him i think like he's done a lot of films um but this yeah this did did like sit very well with me i, I did actually have to take a couple of attempts at it like when it mm. first aired i think i watched like halfway through the first episode and kind of bounced off yeah like the art style and the wackiness a little um but then yeah at your urging actually i came back to it and yeah forced my way through and actually really I, enjoyed the whole thing I, I do think again like it's those imagination sequences and kind of just like not sure about it and then it kind of hit that and i was just like okay yeah i'm on board with this yeah so um I definitely recommend it, especially if people are kind yeah. of uh, fascinated by what kind of goes into anime production. Yeah, and also if you're fascinated by anime production, you should watch Shurabako. <laughs> Indeed, I saw that coming from a mile off. Should we talk about Golden Camry? Let's talk about Golden Camry. Good idea. So, um, this is the second season of Golden Camry, which we've talked about extensively before. Um do you want to do like a, a quick, very quick like rundown of the general plot? Mm, that's yeah. I guess that's quite tough. But like the <laughs> the core premise, I suppose, is that um, there's the Ainu, who are these uh, indigenous people in Japan, and this is set kind of at the turn of the 20th century. Um, and basically, they had a whole bunch of gold. I can't remember how they came about this gold, but they've got a whole bunch of gold, and this was stolen from them uh, by this kind of notorious chap called Noparabo, or No Face, something along those lines. Um, and then he was imprisoned, uh, but sort of left a map uh, to where he's hidden this Ainu gold uh on the tattooed skins of all of his prison inmates who through a later jailbreak have now kind of been scattered across Hokkaido and as we find in this series like into Russia and beyond potentially yeah they've gone everywhere and it's also worth noting it's not a map it's just like it's it's a clue yes basically which you need to have like you need to be able to understand it 
So even if you've got all of the skins, which seems to be quite over. I mean, it, so th this is the second season. We're following um, uh, our main characters, who is um, a Shifa, who is an Ainu girl, and um, immortal Sugimoto, who is a, uh, a well, an, an ex-soldier, I guess, in the, in the Japanese military. So that they they were together um, for the second season, and they've been separated in this uh, in the second season. Might yes. have said second season there twice there. So, a super is an Ainu, and I think, spoiler warning, is safe to say is confirmed to be Noparabo's daughter in yes. season two, um, which was kind of one of the big mysteries of the show for a while. Um, and so she obviously has a very like close tie to the man who stole this gold and the gold itself, and kind of the Ainu community who are who should be benefiting from it. Um, <clears throat> all being fair. Um, but then there's so many different parties who are trying to find this gold for their different purposes, um, yeah. whether they be military or Ainu or Russian like, rebellion people uh, or uh, Hijikata Toshizo from the uh, famous Shinsengumi in Japan, um, for those so, who are up on their history. So um, at the end of the first season... Um... Sugimoto was shot in the head. Yeah. And um, so Ashipa thought he was dead. And so basically, she went off with this other party of people. And meanwhile, it turned out that Sugimoto was actually okay. So we're kind of divided into these two mm. main groups. And, um, you know, one of them is Ashipa is, is trying to find clues about her father, who was also shot. Um, spoilers again. Um, and uh, meanwhile, Sugimoto's group is trying to find a shipper and um, sort of track her. And they end up going into Karafuto, which is the sort of peninsula um, of Russia. Yeah, it, I think it's like an, an island between Russia and Japan, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, again, we're, we're going into areas that... Because Hokkaido is not really a sort of a popular destination for anime and this is sort of again going even more beyond that and kind of just exploring areas again of Japanese culture that you don't really hear about mm. and it's sort of it's Japanese Russian there's a lot of actual whenever people are speaking Russian they actually speak Russian which I sort of I can appreciate that they did that but also probably a lot of the Russian is being completely garbled by the <laughs> Japanese voice actors and it's um, that as I said, there's a lot of it. So I do have to wonder if maybe that might have been better off um, trying to keep everything in Japanese there. But you know, it's. Uh, I think it, I think it works quite well. Yeah, there, 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 there's some the things. There's some things where someone says something, and you're not really supposed to know what they say because they say it in Russian, which wouldn't work if they were speaking Japanese. So. Yeah. But I felt like this series did a really good job of expanding on some of the existing characters. Like, that, there were some characters who just kind of appeared before, and um, you just kind of, well, that's a guy. That, especially some of the um, the soldiers who are with, mm -hmm. um, with Sugimoto's team, they get interesting backstory episodes, and you find out some stuff about them, and sort of find out why some people have the alignments and the dedications that they do. 
And there's just, there's just like, that's a lot of it, really. Just the characters and the stories are just so interesting and mm. so well-developed. And it's all just pulled together just so well. Yeah, I think, like, season one, whilst incredibly captivating and very good and, like, one of my favourite series and possibly the same for you, not sure. Um, yeah. Like, season two kind of is almost filling in a lot of the gaps left by season one like both in terms of like the backstories of a lot of these people that we're talking about like how some of these events came to pass uh there are some like really big kind of revelations about how some of these major players who we're familiar with in the present um actually kind of interacted in like the past when these scenarios are kind of coming together um like some of those big reveals kind of left you like really gasping at the end of some of these episodes, mm. um, which was really cool to see. Um, but as you say, like one of the one of the big elements of why Golden Camo is so cool is yeah that that window into kind of Ainu culture and just like yeah parts of Japan and, and things that you don't it, really see very often. Like you say, I think it's sort of it's it, it when you say that it's sort of, it's filling in the gaps of the previous season. It's not really felt. It didn't really feel like that season was missing anything. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's just it's just building on everything and kind of it, it's just it, it's kind of almost making the first season like better retroactively. Yeah, that's probably a better way to describe it. Yeah, it's like now you're familiar with these characters. It kind of yeah adds more depth to them, mm. um, and it, it, it basically just like raises the stakes at every turn. Um, the... Yeah. What one of my and I mean, this is kind of a minor complaint in the grand scheme of things, is that there wasn't any kind of recap mm. um, at the beginning of the the second season. And I, I mean, I, I, excessive recap can be annoying when you've got like a whole extra episode just to recap everything. I don't really want that. But just like, just because there was quite a lot of stuff that happened at the end of the um, of the. Well, is it the first season? Because the, the first season was in kind of like two halves. Yeah. So I guess this is sort of like the third season. But anyway, um, there was a lot of stuff that happened right at the end and that I was left trying to kind of pick up the pieces and be like, hang on, so this character did this and did they do that? Which I think you avoided by rewatching the the first two Cause, yeah, um, I'd re- rewatched it relatively before. recently, which was definitely helpful. But I think they did kind of, rather than yeah, front loading that recap, they kind of like interspersed it into the yeah, first I few mean, episodes where it was relevant. I, I did eventually kind of pick up how everything went, but it took a while, which you know, again, was not not necessarily a bad thing. It kind of made it a bit more interesting yeah. in some ways, but probably not in necessarily in an intended way. Yeah. I did find that. Um, coming back into it, the art style is slightly jarring, I guess, if I hadn't watched it for a while, like some of the way the sort of the characters mm. are, and and I'm, I'm not really sure about that, and maybe it's just in the first couple of episodes, but, and again, yeah, I got used to it very quickly, but, um, I'd say it's got a very distinctive art style. It is definitely very um, distinctive. Is there, is there anything in particular that you, you can point to as like sort of off-putting? Some of the characters are quite sort of shown as sort of quite short and wide i suppose hmm. which again you you sort of you stop noticing it after a while but um yeah i don't know but 
again, apart, aside from the storyline, the there's lots of action sequences. I've heard it be described as sort of an ultra-violent show. And it's sort of like there is violence, and when it is, there, there is violence. It's not like it doesn't shy away from it. Like, you know, when someone gets stabbed or shot, there will be blood and yeah. stuff will explode everywhere. But it's not like gratuitous. It's just kind of realistic yeah i I think it is constantly treading a line between kind of like gritty realism and kind of like light-hearted fantasy in a lot of ways and that comes down to like both the combat which is incredibly bloody but also you've got these characters who can somehow survive like anything (laughs) everything that's thrown at them in a very kind of you know like action movie kind of way um And I think that extends to those larger than life kind of character designs, which is mm. what you're what you're referring to. And like, yeah, a lot of the characters do kind of look very wacky, <laughs> at least at first glance. But they they do kind but, of fit quite well into the world that they've created. Well, see again, like yeah, so some of them look wacky, but then again, some of them also look quite plain. And it's some of those plain characters that really come to the fore mm. in this season. Um, there was one particular episode which I have to call out just because it was just ridiculous where they um the the gang ends up joining a circus troupe briefly <laughs> and it was just hilarious and it just like the because we haven't really talked about the comedy of the show it does have some really funny moments and again a lot of that I feel is just because the characters are just so brilliant and you just sort of get so used to them mm. and so when you just see them doing funny things it's just that much funnier indeed and um yeah it's just really solid and i always feel like the um because it does have comedy and it does have those serious moments but i never sort of felt like the sort of i i've seen shows where it's the comedy will end up somehow detracting from the serious moments mm. i never found that was the case it was always it knew when there was a time for comedy and it knew when there was a time for serious moments. And I mean, there were bits towards the, I can't if it was in like the last couple of episodes where I was just kind of like literally on the edge of my seat, just being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's just, it's a wild ride and it's absolutely highly recommended. Most definitely. Okay. Oh dear. I've seen the next topic. Yeah, it's a pretty big one, isn't it? I mean, this is something we've we've touched on before um, in various discussions about these shows. So a friend of my partner's um, posted something on Instagram about Haikyuu. It was like a Haikyuu thing. And it was mentioned to her that we kind of thought that Haikyuu was not a great show. And then... There were some more discussions, and she said that she thought Kuroko was trash, and, you know, there was some disagreement there. I've seen both shows most of the way through. I haven't watched all of Haikyuu, although there was... I watched some of the most recent series of Haikyuu and just really kind of lost interest. But my partner hasn't seen Haikyuu at all, but has seen Kuroko. I felt was needed to make up her own mind on this as kind of someone who was potentially unbiased so we started a run of watching Haikyuu and Kuroko side by side like one episode for one episode just to sort of get a direct comparison and it was interesting um 
because I felt at, at first I was kind of, you know, going into it and thinking is, cause I always kind of get this. I think, is this, is Kuroko going to be Kuroko no Basuke? Sorry, I should be clear on that. And Haikyuu, the volleyball anime. Um, the two kind of big pillars of the sports anime world. And Kuroko is somewhat more relevant now because it's just recently come out on Netflix. It's also still on Crunchyroll, I think. It is, yeah. But it's had a bit of a resurgence in popularity because it's on Netflix. So you're watching them side by side. And, I mean, I'm just still going to come out and say that we basically agreed and had extensive discussions about the fact that Haikyuu is just not as good and I really struggle to kind of, I, I know that it's an opinion, but I really struggle to not see how Kuroko is just objectively better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tricky for us to have, you know, like a, a very good conversation about this because we both fall on the same side of the argument. Mm. Um, similarly, the, yeah, I've, I've had lots of like the, interactions with people who uh, prefer... Haikyuu over Kuroko for whatever reason. The, the the biggest argument I see leveled against Kuroko is that it's unrealistic, which I completely don't understand. Because, I mean, for me, realism is is not necessary. I mean, we were just talking about in Golden Camry, like you know, people are surviving ridiculous situations mm. and getting shot in the head and somehow surviving. It's just like that's not realistic, but it is really fun and yeah. really interesting, and. Do you know what's not the, really fun and really interesting? It's Haikyuu. <laughs> so I just want to sort of run through some things here. Um, so I think maybe the first episode or first couple of episodes of Haikyuu I think might be slightly better at drawing you in than Kuroko. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think having watched those side by side, it was just like, oh shit, maybe Haikyuu is good. And then the problem with, with Hi- the Kuroko, um, there's a term which, again, I'll, I'll touch on later when we get to video games. There's a term in um, called in medias res, which is a Latin thing, starting in the middle of things, which is a thing that happens in a lot of classical stories. You don't start at the beginning. You start in the middle of everything, and then you kind of you go back to the beginning to explain what happened at a later date. Mm. And... Haikyuu doesn't do that. Haikyuu starts at the beginning and says, here is this guy, he wants to play volleyball and he does all this stuff and tries to have a middle school team and fails horribly and then joins the high school team. And there's not really much kind of... And it's the same with kind of every sort of character introduction. They sort of introduce a new character and say, here's the origin thing. Whereas in Kuroko, there's a lot more mystery around all, all of the characters. People are introduced and you kind of don't really find out their backstories for a long time. Kuroko has these um, these five basketball prodigies called the Generation of Miracles. And this is the leader of them is Akashi. And you don't even see him for like a really long time. He's just this mysterious figure. Whereas in Haikyuu, it's just like, I'm not really even sure like what the end game is. They just mm. want to play volleyball and not again very it's, well it's similar with with the characters in Kuroko they sort of I, I've seen people say again that Kuroko has no character development which I just don't understand it's not true 
basically. Because so many of the characters, they kind of, they start out and then you sort of you learn their backstories and then something happens, they change the way they go. I mean, to compare the, um, the two captain characters, um, so in Kuroko you've got Hugo and in um, Haiki you've got... Daisuke? Dai? He's uh, Sawamura, I think is his name. I can't remember what his other name is, but anyway, he's um, not to be confused with Saramura in uh, Ace of Diamond. Daichi, that was close. Da- but basically, the the captain in Haikyuu is just kind of he's just there, and there's, there's, there's another character in Haikyuu who's just like an asshole to everyone, especially the main character. He just comes in and just like shut. It's just like says, "Oh, you're a little shrimp and you're a loser and you should just die." And the captain's just like, oh, ho, ho, boys will be boys. And he doesn't do anything about it at all. And I'm like, how can you... This guy is literally just, like, abusing this person. And you're just not doing anything about it. Whereas in Kuroko, the captain is kind of... It's sort of almost forced on him. Originally, see, later on, he didn't really want to be a captain. He'd kind of given up on basketball. And he kind of... His confidence wavers. But he just kind of... It's just like... The development is there. And you can like see him sort of changing. Even if it's sort of relatively subtle. Over the course of the show. Whereas... Again, my partner... When a new character is introduced in Haikyuu. She'd go, wow, this character is really interesting. But then they wouldn't go anywhere. They'd just be introduced and that would be it. They'd say, this is their character. We've had the five minutes of development and now they're just a straight line to the rest of the show. Yeah, I, I found that with Haikyuu. Uh, particularly kind of, yeah, the other teams that they come up against. Like, they'd introduce the these big characters and it's like, they've li- their character design is literally like a couple of sentences <laughs> like on a sheet of paper. It's like, okay, he's going to look like this and like this is going to be the thing that he says most often um and this is how he's going to act and like that's just it like that's just mm. how they are for the the entirety of the series i mean i can see why i don't know again people would say that haiku is character driven and i just i don't think it is because the characters aren't interesting and the most damning thing that i can say about haiku is that if I wanted to watch a show that was relatively quote unquote realistic and had a lot of characters who were kind of sort of didn't have a huge amount of development but were kind of fun and sort of one line machines and a main character who had some kind of wacky powers, I would watch Ace of Diamond, which <laughs> is like a sort of similar show in a lot of ways, but everything is just so much better. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, again, Ace of Diamond doesn't have the popularity that Haikyuu does. But, I don't know. I just I, 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 just don't understand. And again, I mean, we haven't even touched on the animation, which I don't want to get too far into. But I just find that in Haikyuu, it's just, watching the actual volleyball is boring. And in Kuroko, it's just, the basketball is just not boring. And I find a lot of it is maybe just to do with the direction and the way that the ball is followed, and the way you sort of see the characters. Every time someone does like a spike, there'll, there'll be like a set and a spike in Haikyuu, and it's always done exactly the same way. Yeah, it's, <sighs> it's incredibly formulaic. Um, and I mean, maybe that's just like the sport. And I mean, it is to an extent. I don't extent, think it is, but... though, because again, going back to Chihaya Furu, which I had alluded to before, if you can make a game about like 
swiping at cards on a mat exciting, you can make volleyball exciting. It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. And I, I think there are better volleyball anime out there, to be honest. Um, mm. There's a volleyball show that's currently airing, um, which is called like 2.43 something or other, because it's like the height of the volleyball net or something. Um, but uh, I'm finding that quite interesting. I mean, it, it, it's certainly no Kuroko. Um, and I'd say it's more of a quote-unquote character-driven show uh, mm. than the sp- than the actual action necessarily, but like, I think the just the pacing is better. Like, I'd, yeah, the, the characters themselves aren't like interesting at all. But I wouldn't say that they were particularly any worse than the Haiku ones necessarily. Haiku again does kind of suffer from pacing. I mean, Kuroko is seventy-five episodes, and it's like it's pretty. What's the word? It's quite sort of trim. It doesn't really have too much fat in there. You can kind of watch the whole thing and just feel like, yeah, I got a good experience. That wasn't like... Whereas Haikyuu feels like it's padded out. There's a lot of kind of waiting for things to happen. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm sure they could have cut it down and made it into fewer seasons. But there's now, I can't remember how many episodes of Haikyuu there are, but there's probably close to like 100 episodes of Haikyuu. And they are... I don't even. They 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 just they've just got nowhere near as far through the kind of progression as they have in um, in Kuroko. But basically, I mean, you know, I don't want to dwell too much on this because I could just bitch about Haiku all day. But I would say, if you like Haiku, if you don't like Kuroko, watch Ace of Diamond, give it a go, because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that at how like good it can be. <laughs> Well said. So, should we move on to a show that probably people won't have heard of? We should. So, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which is, yeah, a show people probably haven't heard of. (laughs) That's probably not true, Ben. Nah, I don't know. It's obscure in Japanese. (laughs) It's also on Netflix, which is pretty cool. It's on, like, everything. Yeah. So, what do you want to say about JoJo, Mike? What do we want to say what about JoJo? I don't know. It's just JoJo. very good. Like, it's it's one of these shows where, for the longest time, I was having like massive FOMO because everyone's talking about how great JoJo was, and then like I tried it out and I was like, this art style is crazy. I can't get used to this. This is mad. And so, like, watched the first episode and that was it for like ages. And then, years down the line. I was like, okay, let's give this let's give this a proper go because like people I respect continue to talk about this as if it's like the greatest thing in the world, um, and so I stuck with it, and it turns out it's pretty darn fantastic. I mean, I I don't know if it's really worth going to like the plot of JoJo because the plot of JoJo is just way too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I kind of I have what I like to call the JoJo cycle. Well, I'll watch a couple of episodes of a season and be like, eh, I'm not really feeling this, but I'll come back to it later date. And then I come back to it and watch like all the way through <laughs> up until like the next story arc. And then the next story arc starts and I'm like, I want to keep going. And I watch the first couple of episodes and I'm like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. And then I come back to it months later and then just watch it all the way through until the next story arc. Yeah. And it just continues like that. So I had that with the with the um the first season which i mean the first season i think everyone agrees is kind of a bit kind of slow and 
weird and not really much like the um the rest of it yeah um which was the something phantom blood something like arc. that yeah um the second arc which was battle tendency i really enjoyed that that was i that was top top tier um and then after that we get to stardust crusaders and egypt stuff so i watched the first season in egypt and then I haven't, I watched like the first, again, the first couple of episodes of the second season in Egypt, which was kind of unexpected to me because I figured that I just want to go all the way through Egypt, but I still had that kind of thing with the Jojo cycle where yeah. I had to stop because I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. It definitely has a vibe of a distinct season, I think, despite the fact that it's just mm. it's supposed to be a direct continuation of the story. Um, but, but yeah, I, you, you'll overcome it, I think. I, I, I did feel like in the egypt thing it just kind of because there's lots of people with different stands and different it just kind of felt like they were sort of throwing out some random ideas to see what stuck and some of it was interesting and some of it just wasn't and i mean I, th- I like, think oh that's... my god i'm gonna have to spend like three episodes dealing with this stupid guy and i can't <laughs> bother to watch this i mean i think that's that's jojo generally um but i i generally found like even the weird silly ideas like quite entertaining I mean, it's definitely entertaining, and um, I did feel like after, um, in in the first couple of seasons, people were doing more like wacky poses, and I found out found that people stopped doing so many wacky poses after we got to Egypt. Sad. So um, that that disappointed me because I really enjoyed the wacky JoJo poses. But yeah, I mean, as I said, um, Battle Tendency was. It was really fun to me. And I haven't watched beyond that. So, I mean, you can probably give some voice to your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it took me ages to finally get around to, like, watching all, all of it. Um, I'd say... But, like, once once I got into it, I did just, like, watch it all through from season one through to part five or whatever it is. Um, like, in one go, pretty much. Uh, and I did that, like, two years ago. And then last year, I did it all again. <laughs> um with my fiance, uh, which, you know, goes to show something about the quality and watchability of it, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, like, each part is distinct, but, like, comfortably familiar in, you know, just the right way. Um, and, like, there's enough new and old ideas, like, mixed around. And it's just, yeah, like, it's, it's great fun action. There's, like, some nonsense comedy in there. The art style, whilst potentially initially off-putting, as it was for me, like you do get used to, and it is its own special thing. Um, which well, I... the, the, the art style changes a bit over the season yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one thing to consider. It's like the original manga came out in, I want to say the 80s? I think 80s is right, yeah. And it's still like ongoing, so it's a really you know long-running thing. Um so yeah, it's it's understandable that it's kind of changed as sort of tastes have changed. So, but yeah, no, it's it's a great show. Also, you're just like casually dropping the fiance thing in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's in fine. Fact, we, we've both got engaged now, so that's that's stuff know. Ben and Mike like. Exactly. That's cool, <laughs> and we've both got partners who somehow actually want to watch anime with us. Hooray! Hooray! And play video games. I mean, how does that even work? We're lucky men, Ben. We're lucky men. We are. 
but yeah, Jojo, it's good. It's good. It's on Netflix. It's on Crunchyroll. Watch it. It's just, yeah. Um, so, next on the list, we've got Non Non Bury. So, what, why don't you tell me about your experience with Non Non Bury then? So, um, I watched it at your behest because um, I, re- I really enjoyed watching uh, Laid Back Camp, which we'll also be talking about a bit later. And um, I sort of knew about Non Non Bury by name, but I hadn't really watched it because it's by like Silver Link which is not a studio that I know for making amazing shows. And it's kind of sort of, I don't really know. It, it sort of, it just kind of looks like um, slice of life, kind of weeby trash. And it's sort of, it, it kind of almost is. It's, basically, it's about um, four girls growing up in the countryside in Japan and basically just going around having fun and doing fun things in the countryside and having sort of vaguely wacky experiences. And it's just, it's just really relaxing and really nice and funny. And, um, there's one one of the characters who's called Renge, who's like five years old and she is just brilliant and has this triangular mouth. That's just, I don't know what it is. She just, just always has this expression that just makes me laugh. It's it's really hard to describe why, but Renge is basically just like the best girl of all time, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that that sounds sort of creepy, but it's just it, you have to watch it. She's just I don't know. It's just everything about her character is like perfectly calculated to be fantastic. Like the voice is just absolutely spot on. Mm. Her lines that are kind of like she's speaking as if she's an adult in terms of the language she's using, but at the same time, it's obvious that she doesn't understand anything uh but mm. it's in like a really comedic context like yeah it's it's just it's just perfect everything about the show is great as you say it's, it's super relaxing super calming the music's great it's got um nano rope openings it's got nano rope openings it's always a good sign um the the latest season is currently airing right now which i'm yeah. watching and still loving um so i i've watched um the first season and we're about most of the way through the second season. It's one of those things I like to just watch at the weekend when we're having lunch and it's just, you just throw it on and it's just, you know, it's just funny and relaxing and it's just like the, the animation quality isn't stunning and nothing about it. It's just like blow your mind amazing, but it's just, I, I've got a lot of respect for shows which are just like consistently good and funny and mm. don't make you want to gouge your eyes up. Yeah, and I mean the animation doesn't have to be amazing because like one of the, one of the no. great things about the show is that like not much really happens <laughs> like in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, like they're in it, the countryside and like specifically there's like not that much going on and a lot of it, the sort of scenarios are like the imaginations of the main characters like they're just kind of yeah. playing. It, it it it's more just like wow we have nothing to do let's I don't know go mm. fishing or make things out of paper and then just hilarity and it, it you know again it's just it's the strength of of the it's not even really the strength of the characters it's just like the situations are just funny although the characters are good i i, I think I, i've maligned them there especially some of the older characters who are really should be you know more responsible and they're still just basically children themselves indeed 
but yeah, no, it's it's just it's just really good fun to watch. And um, if you just want something to watch and relax, I'd thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, I think I think like, especially if you like things like laid back camp or even things like like Nichijou or something like that, I think it's a it's a good like yeah sort yeah definitely. Nichijou, I'd say, is kind of more intense. Yeah, in its that's, weirdness. that's probably the right description. Um, whereas again, you know. Non non bureau. I, I was trying to work out the pun with the title for the longest time. So it's like non beery is like relaxing, and something something bureau is like good weather. There, there, there's a lot of puns in the title that I can't quite it's just work chill. out. It's just yeah. chill, and it's good stuff. And I have a Nendoroid of Renge just because. Oh man. That's, um... <laughs> I've got an android of um, Nadeshko from Laidback Camp, so we should get them together. Nice, we definitely should. We definitely should. So, um, next on the anime list is Rental Girlfriend. Tell me about Rental Girlfriend, Ben. Rental Girlfriend? or I've seen it with various titles. Kanajo Okurishimasu. Something like that. Um, Basically, it's a trash show for trash people. Um... As you can see, I'm probably a big fan of it. It's a show about a... um, It's a sort of romantic comedy show about a guy who gets dumped by his girlfriend and in a fit of utter sadness finds this app that allows you to, like, rent a girlfriend for a certain amount of time. And um, basically, you know, you get a beautiful girl who hangs out with you and, like, says, ha, 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 yes, you're so funny or you're so nice. And then you pay them like an eye-watering amount of money and um, you have a good time. And completely unsurprisingly, the main character catches feelings for the uh, the rental girlfriend that he hires. Oh, no. Which causes lots of problems. And then it turns out that they live next door to each other and that they're like grandmothers who are both in hospital and know each other. And there's loads of weird problems and they have to like pretend they're actually in a relationship, except they're not, except they are, except they're not. And, like, secretly they do like each other, but they're both just such utter useless people that none of them admits it. And there's some side plots with, like, other girls who are also into the main character for inexplicable reasons, including, like, his ex, who is weirdly, like, jealous and kind of seems to get off on stealing him away from other girls, but isn't really interested in him, like, by himself. And there's another girl who just, like, just wants to date him and is just crazy and stalkery and then there's another girl who exists for like there's there's shown like four main girls and there's one of them who's literally in it for like one episode who's just like oh hi i'm here i'm very shy a tale as old as time but the main thing is between the two like uh the main characters the the male lead and the female lead and the male lead is just useless i hate him so much he just He's the definition of, like, a, a herbivore. He just needs to sort his life out. I want to slap him. And um, it, it it's one of those shows where it's, like, it kept on... I kept on thinking, maybe this is good because it was sort of funny and sort of all right sometimes. And then the characters would do things and it would just make me angry. And um, in the end, I'm not even sure how I felt about it. Uh, if there's another season, I'll probably watch it because it's just like I just want to know what's what's wow. going to happen if something actually, 
Although from what I've seen, actually, that it's one of those things where it's like there's almost a confession and then it doesn't happen. And there's some it's also like, you, ben. and there's some weird like etchy scenes going on, which just made me uncomfortable. Yeah, I remember and, um, near the start of the season this was airing, and you were like, "Hey, Mike, maybe you should check out this rental girlfriend." I mean, it's not great, but maybe you'll enjoy it. And then like, I was. You know, very sceptical, having decided previously not to watch it because it looked like trash. And then I was like, mm, well, Ben's saying so, maybe I'll give it a go. And then I watched the first episode, I was like, this is trash. <laughs> it is trash, but I mean, sometimes trash is what you want, you know. It... I don't know, th- th- there's there's a certain genre of trash that, yeah, sometimes I do want, but that kind of trash isn't the trash that I want. Yeah, no, Especially, it... yeah, the, the etchy scenes that you make reference to. It, it, I, again, with, you know, in the... Uh the style of a lot of shows there's more of those kind of at the beginning of the show to kind of mm. draw people in or put people off just um, like hbo and then it kind of tails off a bit but yeah it was just kind of nothingy and annoying it was immensely popular as far as i can tell from the number of like things posted and stuff that i've seen about it but yeah it just wasn't very good yeah this doesn't surprise me so next on the list, talking of horrible fan service, I want to talk about uh, Shokugeki no Soma. Which Food Wars. I've been kind of not watching for a long time because it looked kind of not like anything I'd be into. So basically, I, I really like cooking and I like food. I mean, you, you I think you also like cooking and food, but probably more true. on the food side and less on the cooking side. Oh, not at all. I I, I really like cooking. I just don't do as much of it as I might like. I mean, I I like cooking a lot. I do a lot of cooking. I don't tend to do a lot of eating out and stuff like that. Um, So what I really want is a anime that's about cooking and talks about cooking. And Shokugeki is not that, really. Basic plot is there's a kid who goes to this he like works in a um, in a local restaurant with his um, with his dad, and then his dad has to like go off and do something. And he's like, "You should go to this elite um, culinary high school, where you know there's like a caste system and everyone has to like work ridiculously hard, and only like ten people out of the entire school graduate." and um, it's ridiculously strict and they have to do all these crazy things and exams and you have these things called food wars or shokugekis where two people can like challenge each other to big food battles and they're judged by um, a board of people who decide who wins. And I mean, that's not necessarily a terrible format. It's pretty much like a sort of shonen kind of high school thing. Um, my biggest problem and again you know it's similar to rental girlfriend is that it's got obnoxious fan service in which again is like worst probably right near the beginning but still pretty pervasive throughout where you know some busty woman will come in and say oh what is this trash food and then she'll eat it and like have just visible orgasms for five minutes talking about how delicious it is and you're like okay fine yeah carry on that's get to the rest of the show and it, it's it's uncomfortable and I didn't really like it and I sort of plowed on with it because I was just like you know maybe they'll talk about food um, 
I mean, the, the core of the thing, and my problem with a lot of food anime in general, is that they don't talk about cooking, they talk about food. <clears throat> so unless they kind of, they touch on food preparation occasionally, but most of the time it's just like, oh, what's this person doing? They're doing some kind of mysterious thing we're not going to tell you about. And that's not until right near the end they suddenly have a big reveal, being like, ah ha ha, you thought that you'd eaten my dish, but actually there's a sauce that goes with it, and... It turns out that my sauce completely transformed the dish, and they're like, oh no, I've been overwhelmed by his sauce! Um, and it's just stupid shonen shit like that, like, aha, I am standing behind you now. No, it was I who was standing behind you! <laughs> Etc. Um, and then, you know, they focus in on the food and say, ah, oh, this is so delicious and amazing and wonderful. Which... It's fine for a bit, but it's just like, I'm not eating the food. And you've I've seen people visibly orgasming over eating food for three seasons now. And I'm just not feeling it anymore. And I just, I really... There's just so many things that annoy me. It's just like food anime always shows people who are like ridiculously good at cooking. And never sort of shows people who are kind of sort of... There's, there's one character in Shokugeki who's kind of... She is good at cooking, but she's very unconfident, and part a lot of the show is kind of following her. Uh, over the course of the show, she's kind of becoming more confident and becoming better. And actually, I found her a much more interesting character, to, because it's just like, okay, you don't know... You're, you're not necessarily, like, amazing at everything, and therefore you're much more interesting. Whereas the main character is just like... Pretty, basically, everything he makes is just like a knockout of the park, and it's just like, well... It doesn't take away some of the tension because it does sort of get more difficult later on, but it's just like, uh, I don't know. And then, just to rant some more, there's some things Please where, do. where they kind of like, because obviously the, the person who writes, and I'm talking like generally about food anime here, but I mean in particular this, people come up with these like wacky dishes and people are tasting and going, my God, this is delicious. But because the person who's written this is like, and I, I, I'm kind of making, uh, I'm guessing here and making assumptions. I'm going to assume that the person who writes the manga has not personally made all of these dishes to exactly the way they've made in the, in the anime. And I'm therefore shocked. there's no way they can actually know that exactly whether they'd be delicious or not. So there's some combinations of things. You're like, that sounds terrible but everyone's talking about how delicious it is. And it's like, I can't say it's not, but also just, I don't know. And there's other things where it's just like, there's these people who've gone to culinary school apparently for three years and it's like, oh my God, you used this advanced technique. And it's like, you mean you like, you basted something in a pan with some butter. And it's like, yeah, it's an advanced technique. And it's just stuff like that. And it just, it just frustrates me. I've said it before and I'll say it again, but you need to make your own cooking anime, Ben. I mean, we have we have had these discussions, and I, I feel like my best comparison, which is not a cooking anime, is something like Silver Spoon, which mm. in which a um, a character who's not really familiar with anything, he, he's, like, he's just like <laughs> a normal student, and he goes to a um, an agricultural school, and he's not familiar with agriculture or anything involved in it. He just does it because he wants to get away from his parents and kind of do something he thinks is going to be a DOS for a couple of years. 
and he kind of gets really into it. But because he's not familiar with stuff, he has to like learn things from scratch and learn basics. I want to see a show kind of like that, that's at a culinary school where people are actually you now having to do things they do in culinary school, where it's still like fun, but a bit more down to earth. It's I think kind I of odd. behind that. It's kind of odd that the most, because it, it, it's hard to have, then then have a show that's also not just kind of like a cooking show, like you know where you've actually got a like a, a chef sitting there and saying, "This is how you make this dish, and here's the ingredients you'll need." So I don't know. That, that there's a line there, but I just feel like the focus that you get in so many food shows where they're just focusing on the end dish and talking and spending just minutes talking about the food and like how delicious it is and how amazing it is. And you can only do that so much before I just lose interest. Hmm. That does seem to be a very popular genre of show in Japan though, like both in anime and live action form. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, I mean, you know, um, what's the, the, the video thing where you eat stuff? Mukbang? Mukbangs are very popular, and that's clearly just kind of, you know, just eating this and going, wow, this is tasty. So clearly that's what people are into, but it's not what I'm into. So I will crusade for this forever. Get Madhouse on the phone. But yeah, I mean, I watched... I haven't watched the most recent season of Shokugeki because it kind of... There were... I can't remember how many seasons there were, but um, it sort of concluded, and then it seems like the... Ex- the the newest season is kind of like an extra and I just felt like I'd got my closure and I couldn't really be bothered seems fair but, I mean my, my fiance was really into Shokugeki uh, at least like the first couple of seasons and then like yeah it's, at one point we put I don't know whether it was the latest or the second latest season on and she was like oh it's lost all of its charm uh, it and, of... and to me as a sort of external observer who like watched the first episode when it first aired a million years ago and bounced straight off it i was kind of like this looks very similar yeah, <laughs> to what I mean, it was like the, before the, there was a lot of focus on unsurprising on like the the food wars the shokugekis in later seasons to like the exclusion of everything else so you don't see people like planning out their dishes and sorting it and you know actually doing any of the culinary school stuff it's just like what's the next big challenge which is you know a very shonen thing to do it's just mm. like who who's going to be the next group of random people we have to fight and it, it was it was just like that a lot of the time which i can't blame that because it's just standard shonen format but i don't know i i i don't think that shokugeki could have been better than it is really well it probably could have been but as it is it's fine but i feel like there's a better show that can exist somewhere about cooking let's make it happen i'll try i'll move to japan um so that that was my rant on on food anime so um next up is another old show that we've both been watching through recently which is space brothers uchu kiridai do you want to take something away on that Take something away. Yeah, go on then. Um, when did this start? Probably like 2010, 2011, something like that? Um, I would say 2014, but I thought... Oh, wow, that's later right. than I thought. I mean, that's very possible. Uh, my kind of uni years are a blur for like when anime were airing. Um, but yeah, so this is a show about two brothers, hence the name, uh, who in their youth 
kind of thought they came across a UFO while they were out in the park. And in that moment, they kind of both decided that they were going to be astronauts and they were going to walk on the moon together, uh, which is a very like sort of sweet childhood promise to make to one another when you're like 10 years old or whatever it was. Um, but then basically uh, they kind of do take it really seriously. Um, and then one brother in particular kind of like holds on to that dream and like follows it through and becomes an astronaut uh, in Japan. It's very cool. And he's set to be the first Japanese person to walk on the moon um but his brother who is kind of more of a realist i suppose and who like whilst he did like sort of hold that dream quite close to his heart like kind of didn't think it was going to be possible because obviously you know only a chosen tiny minority of people become astronauts even though it's a, it's a dream of many people and then um, only, like a relative minority of those astronauts actually get to go to space indeed indeed um but basically when the show starts, we basically pick up with him, uh, and he's like followed a different path in life, basically where he's been like a car engineer, um, and he <laughs> just the the very bizarre random setup is he's just been fired from his uh, engineering job because he uh, headbutted his manager <laughs> like Zidane from that match in the World Cup, however many years ago, um, because he insulted his brother. Uh, but basically, that just sets off a chain of events where. His brother and his parents basically like help him back onto the path of. They basically like, rem- just go look, bro. You need to be an astronaut. It's like, yeah, it's okay. like rem- remember your dreams. Like you know, com- recommit to this thing that you said you were going to do. Why did you wuss out of being an astronaut? One of the hardest things to do in the life. Um, and yeah, basically he goes from there where he starts down this very lengthy, um, but very captivating. Mm. process of being uh tested and selected for uh becoming an astronaut in japan basically um and yeah it i mean whilst i did kind of know this at the back of my mind anyway like re-watching it through recently it's kind of just cemented that it probably is one of my favorite shows of all time probably i have a feeling that you mentioned it when we were talking about our favorite shows it might have been when you were runners up yeah i think so i don't think i actually put it in my explicit top five but i think that may yeah. have been a mistake <laughs> um, well, I, on reflection I, I i just watched it through for the first time recently because i don't know we, we're just again there haven't been a lot of shows this year this is on the backlog um because you'd recommend it in the past and yeah it's just it's it's really good i really liked all of the characters there is an especially um the bit that kind of sort of cemented it for me as a great show was there was a sequence where um during astronaut selection there's a bit where some of the characters sort of have to live together in a sealed capsule thing for two weeks yeah and i just found all the dynamics of that really interesting it was Mm. really just well presented and just just made you kind of it 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 made me I, i basically all of the astronaut training stuff i just really enjoyed and um, so sometimes when it sort of strayed away from that for a while, it's just like, man, I can't wait to get back to the astronaut training. Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, like, it is really fascinating to watch. And, like, it definitely is sort of grounded in reality. Um, and I know the author, I can't remember whether they actually worked for JAXA, or at least they, you know, did significant research with JAXA, so, like, kind of based this in, in true life in terms of, like, the selection processes and what astronauts JAXA get up to. JAXA being the Japanese... Space Agency, I can't remember exactly what it stands for. 
I mean, it stands for Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency because yeah, That's the, the one. X. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 a really fantastic series. Um, as you say, like really brilliant, mm. like quirky characters playing off each the, other in really. The... Yeah, Sorry, I again. mean, again, the, the the side characters I thought were um, were good, and I really actually I wish, especially sort of later in the show, I wish that there was more time spent with the side characters. Mm. I felt like they they sort of there was a while where they're kind of building them up into bigger, into what what I thought was going to be a bigger role, and then it kind of shifted back to just focusing on um, on Muta, who's our our hero. But I mean, they still popped off occasionally, and that was fine. So um, the, the the biggest problem with Space Brothers is it just kind of stops, and uh, not at like a particular stopping point really. It's just because they made. 99 episodes and then um just stopped and i mean maybe at some point they'll come back to it and make more anime which i can only hope but, yeah um... I, I really hope so too because this is actually i mentioned to you the other day like this is one of the only manga that i'm still reading my manga reading phase is long behind me but <laughs> this one i've kept up with because it's yeah just so captivating and close to my heart and it it just continues being really really great and i'd love to see uh, all of the arcs that have happened since the anime stopped, like, be adapted. It would be fantastic mm. to see on screen. So, yeah, that's, um, again, you know, a classic. But uh, that, that that's probably a show that's from a while ago that's not currently relevant for some random reason. No, it is available on Crunchyroll, for those of you who want to watch it, though. Um, okay. So, um, next on this is apparently Sword Art Online... What a mistake. Sword Art Online Alicization War of Underworld Part 2, I think possibly was the most recent show. I'm not going to go into the story of Sword Art Online. It's really dumb. Um, I'm still watching it for some reason. It's only getting dumber. The storyline is just becoming more and more stupid and convoluted and weird. Um, <clears throat> there's some stuff like that happened near the end of the most recent season, which that she just was just like, you're just looking at it and going, what the hell? What is this? Why is that? What? Why? I don't know. And the that sigh said, just kind I of still, pulls it all together. I still feel like it does, in in many ways, it still does a lot. It's kind of one of the OGs of Isekai anime. And I still feel like it does the Isekai aspect quite well in that you know, it's not just I'm in another world and now that's it. It's like there's still actually link back, links back to what's going on in the real world. Often like really boring links to what's going back in the real world because, you know, nothing interesting is happening in the real world. But at least it does link back. So there's that. That's all I've really got to say. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, because I remember at the time... When, yeah, this kind of massive wave of Isekai, which is in nowhere near stopping, like, kind of was starting to kick off. And you had, like, Sword Art Online, which is probably the biggest one. And, like, Lock Horizon came around. And, like, we both enjoyed that first season at the time. Um, and I feel like part of that in the moment was because it didn't really care about sort of how they got there or, like, struggling and how to get back, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, Sal did and some of the others did. And, like, it was just kind of more rooted in realising that world and kind of how they were getting by, at least in the moment. Um, and as you say, like, 
the Sal real world stuff. I guess like an analog might be the kind of boring present tense stuff that happens in like the Assassin's Creed games. It's like that's not what you're kind of there for. Mm. Um, it's just like no, you're not on a on a, a uh, pirate ship anymore. Now you work for Google. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. Working for Google might be pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, it's but... better than being on a pirate ship, though. <laughs> that sounds like something that someone should explore in like a YouTube series. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Sword Art Online. I watched like the first maybe seven episodes of the first series, and was like, that's, that's enough for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, it's massively popular. Um, I don't and know how popular it is have... anymore. It's one of those things which kind of has gone on for so long. It's not even directly animated by A1 anymore. It's like an A1 offshoot mm. called like Egg Firm. I don't know why it's called Egg Firm. It's a good name. It just makes me think of like really hard boiled eggs. But yeah, I mean, I've got a lot to say on like isekais in general, but I feel like maybe we can save that for another time. There's there's a lot to rant about <laughs> about isekais, that's for sure. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe move on. Maybe move on. Let, let's go to the next item on the list, which I haven't even heard of at all. Hooray! Except me probably mentioning it to you and you've forgotten yes. about it because it's not like the most, I don't know, title that sticks in your mind. So this is Taizo Samurai, um, or the sort of lame English title of Gymnastic Samurai. <laughs> uh so this is a show which was uh, aired last year, so it's topical. Um, and oh, so, like on on the face of it, is literally a show about uh, this guy who's a gymnast, like a national gymnast for Japan, um, who is kind of over the hill slightly. Like his heyday was a bit in the past, and he's injured himself, so he hasn't done very well in the last few years. Uh, in gymnastics and everyone's kind of telling him to retire um, but through a kind of series of wacky encounters and events and also just kind of at the urging of his very cute uh, daughter um, he's also a single dad because uh, his, his wife died sadly um, he basically decides to continue on and like you know recommit himself to gymnastics uh, and it's basically just like a really nice, sweet, funny story about this guy, like, kind of getting back to the top of his game. Um, but also there's this mysterious ninja character who appears, <laughs> um, who, who's, like, is, that, is he French or Italian or something? I can't remember. Um, but basically just appears uh, and, like, latches onto them near the beginning of the show uh, called Leo, who, like, just starts living with them. And, like, through just kind of being completely oblivious and, like, churning out random uninformed one-liners kind of just manages to motivate everyone around him uh including mr gymnast man as well as his daughter who's kind of getting a bit bullied at school because her dad's like the gymnast samurai or whatever um and also for some reason they like have this giant tropical bird at home who's like (laughs) has the intelligence of a human but it's also just like really dumb and they kind of mock him all the time and it's it's very odd and I don't really know why he's there because uh, he doesn't seem to fit into this otherwise quite grounded world um, but yeah it's, it's, it's quite a hard one to describe the charm of but it is incredibly charming and it's, I think it was probably my top show of last year to be honest I think it's definitely worth a watch okay. um, that's some high praise yeah 
uh, it was obviously a very roundabout way of getting to that, but like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's not even really a sports show. Like the sports are almost tangential to it in a lot of ways, but when they are showing the sort of gymnastics, it is also uh, quite captivating. I think it's Mapper who animated it, possibly, um, who did like Yuri on Ice as well, and it's that kind of same style of animation where it's like it's not you know perfectly smooth, super well executed. But there's something like kind of yeah entrancing about the movement, um, and it comes off really well. Uh, in addition to yeah all, all these like really wonderful, colourful characters um, sort of bouncing off each other. Um, I'll definitely put it on my list. Yeah, it's 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 definitely worth a watch, and it has kind of flown under the radar, as far as I can tell, because it's not on Crunchyroll. I think it might be on Funimation, um, but yeah, it's one that I do wish had a bit more. Clown in the West because I think people would enjoy it. The, uh, the Crunchyroll Awards. <laughs> Indeed, I wish wish I could have nominated it in uh, in most car- categories, but there we are. Um, it's one of those things where maybe like a few years down the line, you can see it coming to Netflix, and then everyone go, "Wow, this is, this is a cool, sweet, heartwarming anime." Um, but yeah, time will tell. Time will tell. Cool. Um, next up is the Great Pretender, which is by the- Wit Studio. It is by Wet Studio, and it's probably a good segue because this is a Netflix original anime, I believe. Or at least, you know, they, they produced it um, for Netflix. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised, I think is probably the, the best way to describe it. Um, so it, it's basically a show about con men doing con men things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is obviously like a well trodden genre in the western world but i i struggle to think of many other examples in anime where like this has kind of been explored um but they've done it super well here and like everything from the art style to the settings to like kind of the even the particular stings it is very western inspired i think like there's a lot of inspiration been taken from I don't know, things like Ocean's Eleven, <laughs> like, you know, The Sting and other, like, big yeah. uh, con men type I mean, the, the, the fact that it's got, like, a, you know, a Freddie Mercury song in it. Yeah. The Great Pretender, unsurprisingly. <laughs> I think that, that, again, shows that it was kind of made with probably a Western audience in mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it has that broad appeal, for sure. But it is also very anime in a lot of ways. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, there's not a huge amount to say. It's just, like, super well executed. It's I think it's split into, like... There's sort of four or five sort of several episode long cons, basically. It's like little mini arcs where they're, you know, they've got a particular mark or they're pulling off a particular scheme. And, like, each one of them is, like, pretty interesting to see what they're doing. Like, fairly original. Um, and you've got, like, different kind of, you know, antagonists in each scenario and... There's lots of, you know, tension around, oh, are they going to make it out of this one? Or it looks like they're about to be rumbled or like all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it all works out reasonably well in the end. Um, There's sort of an overarching plot with like the main point of view character and kind of his growth and how he realizes, you know, is it right or not to be a con man? Or like, does he want to follow in his father's footsteps? who was like a prosecutor, but then he turned out he was actually working for the mob and like all this kind of stuff. Um, I think that layer of it was probably weaker, to be honest, than like the individual um, 
individual heists or stings or whatever uh but all in all it was a really enjoyable experience and like the art was really cool it's a super colorful show mm. um like really bright and in your face it, like, it works really well um and during the year of the pandemic sad times um it is like a very sort of globe trotting events like you know one day they're in the states one day they're in like rural france one day they're in singapore uh like it, it was just like a nice ride in a lot of ways to kind of see what these places are like and they are very kind of true to life um seeing like sort of what these modern uh locales are like there, there's a, a very classic bit which you'll you relate to seeing as we were both in singapore a couple of years ago <laughs> where they're kind of standing, you know, in front of the Marina Bay Sands, you know, probably like the most iconic mm. bit in Singapore these days. And they're both sipping from uh, the Alley Bubble Tea. Um, oh, man. <laughs> which is, yeah, properly branded and everything. Uh, yeah, it was it, it, was, it was just a fun ride. Um, and it's like 24 episodes, so it's not like super short, but y- you can binge through it quite quickly, I reckon. See, um, so my, my fiancé and I watched, I think we watched the first three episodes or two episodes maybe three episodes i'll be honest i couldn't really get into it Hmm. i sort of i mean maybe it's just those first i i sort of it started out and the guy was just like okay he's a con man and then at the end it was just like aha it was a big reveal and everyone was wearing the same watch and i was just like i don't really understand what happened here this was a big reveal i'm just more confused than ever now and i just kind of i don't know I I wasn't didn't really like any of the characters. I mean, may, again, maybe I just needed to watch more of it. But it just kind of seemed like everyone was kind of being a dick to each other a lot. Yeah, that does happen, um, <laughs> which isn't the most fun bit. And like, obviously, I don't want to sort of go back and weaken everything that I've just said. And it's usually a pretty lame thing to say, but you do kind of have to persist through the first yeah. few episodes. And I think probably the first con or like the first arc or whatever after you get through the very initial like setup bit it's probably the weakest one of the lot which is not okay. ideal um we... but yeah, yeah. If, if you kind of make it through and yeah the, the, as you say at the very beginning it's trying to set up the characters a bit and their kind of overarching like storylines in a way um and as i say that's probably the less strong bit of it as well uh so it's just, just persist if you oh, can. Obviously, you don't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, we were at the same time, which sort of kind of didn't help. We were um, watching through Hustle on BBC iPlayer, which <laughs> right. if you're not familiar with, is like a classic um, show from, I don't know, the mid, the sort of late 2000s about um, con men or con artists um, and like pulling off crazy heists and doing stuff. And I mean, I, it was one of those things where we're kind of watching Hustle and it's like, okay, we're already like quite far into this. We've established all these characters. And then you're watching The Great Pretender. You're like, yeah, this doesn't quite feel as sort of well polished. And mm. so, I mean, again, you know, I think it might have just been a matter of we need to watch more of it. But it, it's sort of, it's one of those things to, one of my lists to kind of return to at some point when we run out of things to watch. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say give it one more chance. Um you know, it might Probably. not be everyone's cup of tea, but I enjoyed it, certainly. Okay. Um, next show on the list is... Uh, I can't What was the full title? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We've just written Villainess. Um, um, 
it probably has another world in there. I don't it, know. It's it's a really long title. Yeah. Uh, so my next life as a villainess. All ro- all routes lead to doom. That's <laughs> the, the one. Is the full um, English title. So this is kind of a sort of it, it's it's a it's an isekai, but it's kind of like a, a wacky reverse harem isekai kind of. It, it's a comedy basically. So a um. There's a girl who's I can't even really remember anything about her normal life, but basically she dies or does something and wakes up in the world of a um <clears throat> of one of her favorite um visual Otome novels. Games. Is, yeah, Otome game, which is a um but instead of her playing the heroine, she's playing the villainess. The one who has to stand around and go Whoa! I can't get What a twist. I'm sorry. And um, so, but she's like starting off right in this child, in this person's like early childhood or from birth, I think, in fact, but like somehow still with memory, she gets like hit in the head and like suddenly remembers her previous life. And she's like trying to remember everything that happens in the game. And basically she's just going through and trying to not trigger the flags to um, mean that she'll be like murdered. And in doing so, basically befriends all of the male sort of love interest characters, and also the um, the female, uh, the female lead, and and various other female characters as well. And is just like completely fixated and being like, "Oh my god, I need to make sure that I'm not getting all the death flags," and is just completely and totally just oblivious to the fact that pretty much everyone in the world is like deeply in love with her. And it's just, it, there's just lots of wackiness built around that and um, lots of fun little plot lines. It's not a particularly amazing show. And my um, my fiance read the manga, said that there were quite a few filler episodes. I mean, this isn't a very long thing. It's like 12 or 13 mm, episodes. 12, yeah. And something like about four of those were filler stories before they got to the um, the kind of the the end game bit. Well, actually, I admit I quite enjoyed some of the filler stories. They were quite funny. They just didn't really progress anything. But it's not really a show about progressing. It's just a show about just fun stuff. Yeah. And it was decently well animated and kind of funny. Yeah, it was It was fine. <laughs> it's probably how I'd sum it up. There, there um, were a few bits that really made me laugh quite a lot. But yeah, it, it was... There was There wasn't much else to watch this year. As yeah, it, it it was definitely like something that if there wasn't a sort of drought of good content in an, any other year, then like I probably wouldn't have watched it normally. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly was enjoyable at points. I think it has the problem that a lot of these shows do, whether they're isekai or like harem or a combination of the two, where like once you get to the point where you've had like the individual side stories with like every character and like everyone's in love with the main character like everything's just very boring and rote and like every interaction is just about like each of these characters like needling each other being like oh no i want to be with them like oh no i want to be with her um and it gets very repetitive uh so i definitely enjoyed the latter half of the show far less than the uh, first there, there, half i think there was an episode where I'm trying to remember the details now. All the characters got like sucked into a book. Yes. Where they like saw all of their deepest feelings or something. That was quite hilarious. I enjoyed that a lot. But um, 
There you go. There you go. Um, so I think you... there's going to be more of it at some point. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's really it's got like the legs to go for much more. I'll be honest. Yeah. But you know, I, I might give it a try. Maybe they'll shake up the formula, but they won't. Seems unlikely, but yes, I will also probably end up giving it a whirl. Uh, did you want to talk about Demon Princess? Question mark. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So, like, this is a in a similar kind of vein in some ways. Um, it's just kind of like light-hearted, quite relaxing anime. Um, what's the uh, what's the full name? <laughs> um, Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle is the uh, English title. Um, where it's not an isekai, it's just set in this fantasy world. Um, and it's like very generic fantasy world A. And it's like, you know, sort of Dragon Quest-y, like, town of humans with, like, heroes. And then there's, like, a demon city run by the demon lord who's, you know, like, trying to go against them or whatever. Uh, but basically, right at the beginning of the show, uh, the demon lord kidnaps the princess of, like, the human kingdom and, like, uh, you know, puts her away in, like, this dungeon in this castle. Uh, and then the entire show is dedicated to the princess, who is, like, obsessed with sleep <laughs> and getting good sleep, <laughs> which is an interesting character trait. Uh, it's basically, the show is... I can appreciate that character trait. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> the show is based around, basically, her trying to get a good night's sleep and finding different ways of doing so which includes like murdering various different innocent demons to like get their sh like turn their skin into like bed sheets <laughs> or like uh stuff their like fluff into like her pillow or whatever like all this kind of random stuff um and it's like consistently pretty funny um and also yeah like surprisingly dark <laughs> uh given yeah, it, kind of the it, art it, style and the premise it sounded like from what you said i was like this is going to be like harder and then suddenly it went it sounded a bit bit more grim yeah well the show like really leans into it like it's never played as like super dark and bloody and like gritty or anything like that like it's very sort of light-hearted but like it does kind of you know lean into giving you those couple of moments like she's actually you know murdering quite a lot of people um, and like causing a lot of havoc uh for just you know trying to come up with a waterbed or something in a room uh and it was another one of those things where it's like after the first episode or two you're like how are they going to stretch this premise out <laughs> for 13 episodes or whatever it was um but it actually did manage it surprisingly well um and there, there's all sorts of like random quirky demons uh and like it's 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 quite funny how like contrived some of the like types of demons that they invent are just in a way that like makes it to be something that she can turn into a sleep device uh but yeah it was, it was a good fun ride um quite relaxing uh nothing to take seriously in any way there's no like progression <laughs> really in the grand scheme of things it's just like one of those things where it kind of almost resets like every episode um but yeah, it's it a good laugh. Uh, I probably enjoyed it more than Villainous in the end. That sounds like a positive review to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not going to like blow you away, but if you want like a good chuckle. We often watched it over dinner, which is it's that kind of show, you know? Yeah, definitely. Okay. 
uh, Weathering With You. Is this a movie? It's a movie. Yes, well done. Um, so, yeah. Is it by Makoto Shinkai? <laughs> it's by Makoto Shinkai. You, you, you've got it spot on. Um, and, like, that doesn't, I don't really need to say too much about this. And as you said earlier, you, you got often not so fussed about anime movies. It was just kind of like, I think this was, like, my first and one of the only cinema experiences I had in 2020 before everything went to hell. Um, and it, it also, like, reappeared on the screen anime service that I mentioned earlier as well. Uh, later in the year, and I watched it again, um, and it is, it's quite fun. Like Makoto Shinkai, probably now most famous for Your Name, um, Kimi no Nawa, uh, which is absolute massive international smash hit uh, movie, and this is very much kind of off the back of that, very similar sort of vibe and style, and like definitely pouring in like the money that they raked in from your name into the kind of the art and the animation of this like it was kind of visually stunning which is kind of what you hope and expect from a Shinkai at this point um on the whole probably like doesn't hold up quite as well as your name um it's reasonably derivative in a lot of places but it was still a really fun romp the the, the kind of premise is uh there's this girl who for whatever reason has the power to kind of like make things sunny when it's raining like she's like uh yeah like a sunny girl i can't remember what the japanese translation is something otona um but yeah so they they basically start a business where they go around like making the weather good for like various events and like getting paid for it um and like all sorts of hijinks ensue from there uh and like Obviously, that's a good excuse for having lots of cool, like, water graphics and things. Um, so, as I say, it looks very impressive. And, like, it's got a great soundtrack by Radwimps again. Uh, and it has those classic kind of, like, big, like, musical montages that Shinkai is now kind of uses as a trademark. And, like, massive kind of, like, uh, blockbuster, like, visually impressive scenes with, like, these sort of massive, like, rock songs behind them, which is pretty cool. Um it's 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 a good fun movie like pretty inoffensive um again kind of one of these things where it's not going to change your life but like it's just enjoyable in the moment um was very impressive on the big screen uh though you're probably not going to get another chance to see it there so maybe oh. buy like a 4k ultra hd blu-ray or something and watch it on your like massive tv as we were discussing earlier you know <laughs> cinema experiences at the moment just seem to just be not particularly good when Everyone's got big T. Almost a lot of people have big TVs and comfy sofas, and it's just like, well, this is just easier. Yeah. I did want to. I mean, unless you've got something else to say on weathering you, I did just want to touch on anime movies and talk about Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, the movie Mugen Train, and how that broke like every single box office record there is to break in Japan, which is pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy, but also, like, you kind of come to expect it from Demon Slayer at this point. I suppose, but it's just, like, it just seems to be kind of on another level of popularity from other stuff that's come before it. Um, it is pretty mad. Like, Demon Slayer, like, the manga, Demon Slayer, the anime, everything associated with Demon Slayer mm. is like, broken so many records as it's gone along. Like, everything from, like, you know filling the top 10 like of the manga charts with just demon slayer for however many weeks on end and like 
Lisa's Gurenge single being like the biggest selling like hit in Japan ever or whatever, um, I mean, selling billions of we, copies. We, we've talked before about Demon Slayer and how we both really enjoyed it as a series. The most frustrating mm. thing to me about the movie is that I haven't seen it yet. Yes, <laughs> this is very true, especially when the the next <clears throat> series is quite just around the corner at this is rate. It? I mean, yeah, it's, it's actually un, un, sort of unlike a lot of um, anime movies, it's actually like, you know, a direct continuation of the story rather than mm. just like a, well, I, I think it's sort of kind of a side story at the same time, but, you know. Yeah, I'm sure you could get away without watching it, but it definitely feels like required viewing um, mm. to continue the story, uh, especially because, yeah, like the end of the first season, like very much leads into it. Um, it's just like, we're getting on a train. <laughs> exactly. And also, the story will continue in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so I really do hope that we get a chance to experience it soon. I'm sure we will. Like, given its international yeah. success, I sincerely doubt it won't make the It's transition. just the fact that, that, that I mean, that, that's kind of the, the the thing that's most mad about this is that it, Demon Slayer by itself has been so successful and it's basically just been screened in Asia. I'm not even mm. sure if I was checking. I don't think it's actually, it's you can it was in i was just looking at the box office thing it was it's not being screened in china so it doesn't have like that ridiculous um population to work with it's just basically like japan and taiwan and south korea and some other places and apparently australia and new zealand i don't know why they get to see it that's unfair yeah lucky cats well anyway i just want to touch on that because i just thought it was crazy yeah, it's pretty mad, and like I'm happy for them, them just being kind of everyone involved in Demons there, I guess. Uh, like I, I very much enjoyed the series as we've discussed previously, and yeah, looking forward to seeing more. Okay, um, and last thing on the list which we've got to talk about in terms of anime is Eurocamp, Laidback Camp, which again we've talked about before. The second season is currently airing. Um, it's about you know girls who go camping sort of solo camping by yourself and in winter it's kind of it is kind of more of the same of the first season there's lots of like cute stuff and it's it's actually it's really it's a, a very pretty show actually it's really nicely animated it's made by sea station who are although it's actually their first major project as a studio they seem to mostly be formed from ex manglobe employees mm. who made such what did Manglo do? They did Samurai Flamenco. Samurai Flamenco. And, and um the world other only knows a couple <laughs> yeah. of other things. Probably stuff you've heard of. Um Yeah, it looks nice. That music is great. I'd say that generally it doesn't feel like it's been quite strong for me as the first season. But I feel like it's just because it's sort of it's just kind of retreading a lot of the same stuff. It hasn't really done anything particularly different yeah i think that's fair um I, i've also probably not clicked with it quite as much as the first season i think that's partly and this is entirely my own fault but like it's another kind of dinner time show and we also have like a new puppy and so we're often not able to give our entire attention to the tv at any given time yeah which makes it tricky to enjoy things on the same level as uh, we might have done previously we, we have it as like a, a tea time show so drinking tea at the weekend that's like that's Eurocamp time. Yeah, that's, that's a good vibe for it, definitely. Um, yeah, as you say, it's, it's mostly more of the same. I, I, I have quite enjoyed how, like, the 
character designs have like evolved slightly and they've become mm. like slightly more mature uh, as they've aged very slightly presumably between seasons um but yeah no, i mean i still i still really enjoy it um it's very much like a tourism show a in the sense of us as foreigners being like oh let's visit a different place through this show basically yeah but also b in the sense that it is quite literally explicitly like a tourism show <laughs> for japan like showing off all these different locations being like these are the interesting bits about this place and this is where you should visit etc um which is really cool and like when i went to japan last year like i i did have a very cool like laid-back camp experience where i found myself in like one of the locations that they went to in actually the spin-off show um I can't remember what that's called. It's called Hair Camp. Hair Camp, there you go. Room Camp, camp. yeah. (laughs) Um, Basically, just like following their like route through one of those episodes and being like, this is really nice. Like, I'm seeing all these locations that they saw in the show and like, oh, I recognize all these things. And that was a a good time. Um, But obviously, we can't all just like watch the anime and then go to Japan, especially not right now. But in the future. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, yeah, overall, again, I, I still enjoy the music and just the laid-backness yeah i do again kind of wish that because that there's like that there's the sort of the main two characters who i really enjoy spending time with and then there's some of the other side characters and i was like okay fine we can spend some time with them but let's <laughs> let's make it short this time yeah yeah because no, they're just not as interesting they're way true. more kind of generic anime archetypes indeed um yeah, I mean, so wrapping up on anime, there there are just a couple of shows that I just wanted to mention quickly that I didn't finish, but sort of watched bits of. There was Inspector, which was a Crunchyroll original, which, I don't know, I keep on not watching shows that are Crunchyroll originals, because I find it vaguely off-putting. <laughs> I don't know why, maybe it's because I think, oh, this is going to be something that's going to appeal to a Western audience, and that's not really going to be my thing. Inspector was just kind of messy and not... I just kind of got bored of it. Um, there was another show which I think might also have been a Crunchyroll original, which was Somali and the Forest Spirit, which was about, like, oh, yeah. a girl and a golem going on some, like, ad- adventures. And I have a feeling that I watched, like, all of it except the last episode. And it was one of those things where it was like, there's only two ways this is going to end. Either so- someone is going to like die and it's going to be very tragic and I just can't be bothered with that. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it was all right, but it wasn't amazing. Did you have any like unfinished shout outs you wanted to make? Uh, I could definitely come up with some. Uh, there was a cool show called It Invaded. I don't know whether you like caught this at all. I think I might have mentioned it at the time. Um, where it's basically set in this world where there's like this technology that lets you kind of dive into the psyche of someone based on kind of like, I don't know, these particles that you leave behind on a crime scene or whatever, which ba- basically you can like go into the mind of a, of a murderer or something to like help track down like where they might be or like figure out who committed a crime or something like that and it's, it's quite a cool show and they, they do quite a bit with that uh with that concept um but the ending is like really weak which kind of <laughs> ruined a lot of it for me uh but it, it's quite a nifty thing to kind of go through uh there was brand new animal which was like the new trigger show uh last year oh yeah B- bna bna yeah uh which 
arguably is like riding the wave of like well maybe not a huge wave of like things like zootopia and like b stars and like people the people See, animal hybrid thing you just you're trying desperately not to say fairies aren't you well i don't know I, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I don't know what the true definition of that is. <laughs> I mean, um, you, you say, like, waving the ride of Zootopia, but Zootopia came out a while ago. Yeah, it came out a while ago. It's, I don't like... know, it, it's the reference point that a lot of people use, though. Yeah. And it is, it is a very similar vibe. Um, I think it, that is just, like, an inspiration for a lot of these things. Um, Fair enough. But whereas I did try to watch Beastars and possibly one other show that's along similar lines because people recommended them, but I just kind of bounced off. This one I like stuck with. Partly it's just like the trademark trigger wackiness and like fun art and like bonkers animation. Um, but also just like some of the characters are quite charming and like interesting. Uh, but it's also like in a lot of ways the animal element isn't really necessary it's like quite a lot of quite tropey anime stories and you know there's like a baseball episode and stuff you know all this stuff um, i mean every good show has a baseball yeah episode. exactly uh, especially the baseball shows but yeah it was just good fun it's good fun i think it's on netflix as well so people can give it a give it a whirl if they fancy um and then I think there was maybe one other thing worth mentioning. Uh, I've spoken on the podcast before about Made in Abyss, if you recall. Yes. yes. Um, it's on my list. Yeah, and I got around to watching the third movie. Uh, the first two movies are recaps of the series. So the third movie is actually like the story continuation, similarly to the Demon Slayer one. Um, so it's actually just getting more of the actual plot. Uh, and that was really cool. Um, I like forgot how much I enjoyed like spending time in that world uh, and enjoyed is kind of in inverted commas because it's like really grim and miserable <laughs> uh, but in quite a like unique way um, and though like, like like I've kind of explained before it's like though the art style is initially looks quite cutesy and like the, the characters themselves are sort of chibi-ish um, it's incredibly dark and like quite bloody and just like really depressing uh, but enjoyable <laughs> for all that so cool. i guess if you if you watch the series then i definitely recommend you catch that movie somehow or other i don't know how you can grab it officially these days Fair. <laughs> okay well that's all we've got to say about anime that's only taken a couple of hours oh no this concludes side one to continue listening Please flip sides.